And we are on air for Pan for Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview with Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, this week we are previewing two races at Richmond Raceway, and that would be for the NASCAR Cup Series as well as for the NASCAR Truck Series. Uh, but at 8.40, our guest is going to be uh, Arkham Menard Series East driver, uh, Max Gutierrez with Rhett Jones Racing. And uh, he's also the NASCAR Mexico Challenge Series champion, and he won the Arca East season opener at New Smyrna in February. So uh, we're really looking forward to uh, talking with Max here in a few minutes. And then... Uh, what we're going to do first is offer a few updates from the Arkham Menard series. Uh, Max should come on around 8.40, and then we'll preview the truck series at Richmond at the top of the hour. Uh, after that, we get into a few updates from the Xfinity series, and then we're going to preview the NASCAR Cup Series at Richmond. At 10 o'clock, it's NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Bamp Racing crew, and joining me now for tonight's show is co-host Jay Hughesman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. How are we doing tonight? We're doing great. Uh, really looking forward to uh, our show tonight. Uh, and I know it seems a long time since the Arkham Menard series and any of the other series in the east or the west that they've raced. It seems like it's taken forever. But uh, tonight, we are going to hear from the driver uh, that won at the season opener at New Smyrna uh, for the Arca East, and that is Max Gutierrez. Well, I don't want to uh, talk too much about that, because that would be one of my questions that I want to ask Max Gutierrez when he comes on of of what he's doing in between these races. So uh, we'll let him answer that when he comes on. I know, again, the Arkham and RG schedule is a little more spread out. Sal talks about the West being even more so, so I can only imagine it, how much tougher it is on them. I know the West were waiting until June before they race again. It's going to be June 5th at 5 p.m. Eastern time. They'll race the General Tire 200. Uh, it will be available on Track Pass if you're a member of uh, that with the NBC Gold package. Uh, they're racing at Sonoma Raceway, so it's going to be a great race. Uh, but we do have to wait until May, June 5th for that event. Uh, the most re- the soonest event is going to be the regular Arkham Menard Series, uh, the General Tire 200 again. That race takes place not this weekend, but next weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. And uh, that will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Uh, now, May 8th, uh, that's not too far away, but we still have to wait for it. Uh, May 8th, that race uh, is the Music City 200 at the Nashville Fairground Speedway. Uh, that will take place at 9 p.m. Eastern. Again, it will be on track pass for NBC Gold members. And then May 22nd. Uh, is the first race for the Sioux Chief Showdown. That's the 10 races within the Arkham Menard Series. It has a championship all its own. Uh, that race will be the inaugural uh, event for this season. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at Toledo Speedway, the Earth's Potato Chips 
200, uh, and that will be televised on MAV-TV. So we do have some races coming up here. Uh, some we have to wait for a little bit longer than the others. <laughs> yeah, but that just makes it worth it, right? The anticipation makes it worth it. I know I'm really looking forward to the Sioux Chief Showdown races. Uh, great program started in the past couple of years here by NASCAR and Arkham, the Arkham Menard Series uh, to work together along with then the, the East and the West and open it up like that and gives that opportunity, like you said, some drivers that can't run the full Arkham Menard schedule based on track size and age can still run for a championship. We've seen it in the past with the short track showdown. Uh, Arkham Menard Series had, what, I think four different within the one uh, throughout the year so. Uh, gives all drivers uh, the ability to to compete and and show their talent, uh, you know, even if they can't run a full schedule. Yes, indeed. And what I like is the crossover that we're seeing with some of the Arca East and West drivers. Uh, some of them are taking part in that Arca Menard series uh, uh, throughout this year. And the Suit Chief Showdown is a perfect opportunity for some of those people uh, some of those racers that are doing that because they have a chance to go after uh, another championship within the Arkham Menard Series. Well, I know you and I both really enjoyed when they had the East-West combo races. I got to attend a couple of those with you uh, that they, they'd have. <laughs> so you're, you're right. Seeing those guys go head and head and kind of the mentality, you're still racing for your own championship, your own series, but, you know, as with anything else, it's still then all of a sudden a team thing, a pride thing of East versus West. Exactly, exactly. And they are going to have that, I think, this year uh, in the ARCA series. Uh, Well, we saw it at Phoenix with the ARCA West and the ARCA Menard series uh, where they were racing together. Uh, And I believe we're going to see that, uh, again, uh, with the Ark and Menard series and the um, and the East. So again, it's it's going to be fun when that happens uh, because it is kind of a, a bragging rights kind of thing uh, when they're able to go in there and race with the Ark regular series guys and gals, I should say, and be able to uh, compete with them and uh, walk away with a good finish. Okay, um, you know what? I see that Max is here. I want to go ahead and bring him into the queue. I know it's a little bit early, uh, but I'm going to bring him into the queue here because we've been really anxious to talk to Max Gutierrez with Rhett Jones Racing. Uh, we, We started trying to get him right after he won at New Smyrna, but I know uh, these guys are really, really busy. He is the 2020 NASCAR Mexico Challenge Series champion, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, his win at New Smyrna Speedway opened up the ARCA East Series uh, this year. So we're really excited, Max, that we're finally getting a chance to uh, chat with you tonight. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having me today. Well, we are very happy to have you here. And uh, first of all, uh, congratulations on that victory at New Smyrna Speedway. Uh, Talk a little bit about what that does for you, bringing the momentum of the championship in the Mexico Challenge Series. And then right off the bat, you're winning the very first race at New Smyrna Speedway in the Arca East. Well, 
Um, I think no one was expecting my win, but the, the last year in Mexico, in Mexico we were trying uh, to do our best, uh, winning some like five races here, and I think with all this experience, um, because in Mexico we raced against the other drivers who have, and I think that helped me to like give me more level, because in the in the ARCA series, there's a lot of um, experienced drivers. So, yeah, in the Nismina race, it was, uh, we, at the beginning, it was not the best race for us, but then it started to be one, a one. So, in the last corner, we saw the opportunity, the number, the first two places were bad for the first one. And we just saw the opportunity. They opened the door, and we take the the, the chance. Okay, so so that's uh, that's really really cool. Now, did you um, you you went on to race at uh, at uh, Five Flags Speedway, and uh, you're now third in the series point standings. Uh, that race didn't go quite as well for you. Uh, you did. Uh, you are third in the series point standings. You do have uh, the one top five, and you got two top tens in those two races so far this season. You're only nine points away from the series points leader. So, what are your thoughts going into this next race for the Arca East that's going to take place on May the eighth at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway? Well, the racing five flags wasn't how we expected. What we were trying to do, or what we gonna do the whole season, is try to keep learning as much as we can. And my team, my crew chief, everyone on the team, and is giving me like a lot of tips to be to perfect my 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 driver in my drive in the in the car with the car. And yeah, so what we are trying to do it in the next race is do our best, have fun, and and try to learn and do what we can. Okay, now you're following kind of in the footsteps of another driver that uh, was a champion in that Mexico uh, series. Uh, do you uh, have you had conversations with? Daniel Suarez and and his journey to make it to the Cup Series. Oh yeah, so Daniel also helped me a lot in in both championships. Like in in Mexico, he raced in the same team as I'm racing uh, this year and last year. So it's very funny because he also had um, the same people working for him. So yeah, when we were talking, he was like. Oh, you already have that, and he also gave me uh, some tips. And also last year when we were uh, racing in the Carolina Pro League model, and yeah, he also he's a very nice person. He's um, like my hero, and yeah, we're trying to to follow his steps. Yes, I think you're doing a good job of doing that, uh, Max. Uh, we've Thank had you. Daniel on the show uh, several times when he was in 
uh, the same series that you're racing in now. So uh, uh, it's always fun to, to see, you know, Daniel make that progress all the way to the Cup Series. And I'm assuming, is, is that your goal, Max? Are you, are you looking to one day become a Cup Series driver? Yeah, that's my goal. Like, every in his time, uh, well, the uh, truck series in Mexico, uh, as he did the P6, it's, it's the same category. Then he jumped to the NASCAR, where I'm today. In, in that moment, he jumped to the United States and did some races in the ARCA. Well, it was KNN. Right. And then he jumped to Xfinity and then Cup. So we are trying to to do the same as he did. Okay. Now, our co-host tonight is Jay Huseman, and I know he has some questions for you too, Max. So I'm going to pass the microphone over to uh, Jay. Sure. All right. Well, thank you, Sharon. And, uh, Max, uh, thank you for coming on a little bit early because I actually got quite a few questions I wanted to ask you tonight. So. <laughs> try and get a couple more in that maybe wouldn't have been able to get to. Uh, you already talked about the win at New Smyrna, uh, going three wide for that. And we had, early in the season, we had uh, the driver uh, finish six, talk about what he saw developing in front of him. From your perspective, once you make that move, what's it like? How aware of you are the, the drivers around you when you have a three wide finish like that? And did you know you won the race until they announced it? No, I didn't know it because, I was uh, in turn two. In turn two, I was like, okay. I tried to to pass him to, to overtake uh, the number 18, but I had the right speed to do it. Well, okay, it was a very good place for me. It was my first time uh, racing in, in that track with that car. So yeah, a third place was very good for us. But then we were starting to puddle. Uh, for the first place, and in Mexico it happens that, and and in all races happens too. But in Mexico it already happened that the first two were battling, then they have an accident, and the car behind won the race. So I leave him space, and in that moment they opened the door, and so like. Okay, let's try it. And it was by nothing that I won. Yeah, and everyone in my team was like screaming. I saw uh, Mike, who is my, he was my crew chief in the late mode, and now he works for my for Rick Jones. He was like jumping in, in the pit lane. Nah, it, was, it was very cool. That, that's awesome to hear it from a driver's perspective. You know, I've seen it from the announce, uh, announce booth as well as a fan, but to hear it from the driver's perspective of, of what you really know, uh, you know, obviously you get side by side, you feel like you're always going to be the one to come out ahead, but not knowing. Yeah. And talking about, talking about the Mexico series, when we talk about it, moving from, say, the Arca East up to the main Arca Menard series, Arca Menard series to Xfinity or trucks, it being quite a learning curve, What's it been like coming from the Mexico series to the U.S. to be a part of the Arkham Menards East series? How big a change and jump is that as far as the cars? Well, it's um, for me, it's like a dream come true. Everything itself 
by my sponsors, my family, uh, everyone behind this project makes this possible. Uh, Tough Build, Telcel, Technic, and Navaya make this possible. And I'm very grateful. And like the difference be- between the Mexican car and the and the Arca car, um, the Arca car has more horsepower. Also, the gear, the gears, uh, the tires, sorry, are a little bit different. So yeah, that's the only difference that we noticed. And yeah, you need to keep learning as much as you can. And yeah, don't try to to stay in one like in your comfort zone. Well, and that that leads into my third question. That I went, when we came on there, Sharon and I were talking about the schedule. Uh, the east not quite as bad as the west, but you guys have a have a little bit of a gap between races. Do you do any other races, uh, say late models or anything else uh, in that off time, or do you strictly stick to the East Series and, and iRacing or uh, simulator time? Well, actually, uh, in Mexico, we also have the NASCAR Peak uh, iRacing Series, in which we race, like, in Daytona, um, in Phoenix, uh, those kind of tracks that the cup races uh, race. And so yeah, we are we are going to race the the virtual one, the like the real one, and the Arca the Arca series. So you you don't do any other tra- other types of cars though, like with late models, or I know some we had one on last week that had come from, done some legend racing. Uh, any other no, series like that? No, nothing. It's just these three categories, but. Yeah, I would like to to do more races, actually. <laughs> well, that's what we were talking about of how a driver fills the time in between there. But I got to tell you, for the competition, with it, as good as you've come out the gate already in these first couple races, uh, you know, if I racing is what's working for you, stick with it because uh, you're only going to get better. So they're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh well, the the good part here is that we also have a little bit of gap between the Mexican races and the um, Darker series, the Darker Racing series. So we can, there's no one who can, do you hear me? Yeah. Yes. The, there is no, no day that it's the same day, so we have no problem there. Okay, and I got one one last one uh, you mentioned uh, before I turn it back over to Sharon. You mentioned even coming into the Arkham Menard, uh, Menards East Series, uh, there are a lot of young drivers, but you mentioned there are some there with experience. Uh, how much are they? Do they? Do you lean on them, uh, whether it be on the track or talking to them in the garage, like you said, uh, of learning from them as well, even as a new as a rookie? Well, uh, it's the same as in Mexico, like. You race with another category, which uh, so I raced in the NASCAR FedEx Challenge, who are the same cars, but the only difference are the drivers. The drivers have like 25 years racing in the same car, so this car they know the track perfectly, like his palm and his hand. So racing against them helped me a lot to to. Do to to teach me what I need to do and what don't do. So racing with the drivers in, in the Arca series, it's the same. It's my first time in the 
like racing the complete season in the United States. Different tracks, different uh, tires. So I need to keep learning uh, with them and racing against them, knowing the like the lines and what they do. It's going to be a very cool season this year. Well, like I said, the competition's in trouble. If you're this good already and still learning, they're in for, for some trouble. Good luck the rest of the season, and hopefully we get to have you on again here. And I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for, for having me, and hope to see you soon. And so sorry for my bad signal here. Oh, you're doing fine, Max. Uh, you speak a lot better English than I do Spanish, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can teach you Spanish if you want. Don't worry. Oh, oh there you go. I like that idea. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, I just wanted to kind of follow up on what uh, Jay was talking about with the season. These are all new tracks for you. You haven't raced at these tracks before. Uh, and and you mentioned that you do some eye racing. Is that what you're doing to some of these races, or are there some other things that you're doing to kind of help prepare you uh, for the upcoming tracks you've got after Nashville, there's Dover, then the Southern National Motorsports Park uh, in North Carolina, then you've got the the Iowa Speedway and Milwaukee Mile and Bristol Motor Speedway for the finale. Uh, how are you preparing for all of those races? Well, the virtual races um, that we do, we race. Uh, the same person as we race in the in the real one, so it's very funny because uh, you don't have the risk, you know. Right. You, you, well, have, you have a reset button. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. You have the reset the reset button. You have uh, like five fast repairs. So yeah, we we try to do our best, but without the, the stress. You know, but right. we or my part, it's like go to gym, have the like the best like the best thing to don't worry in the races because it's very stressful. The neck hurts a lot after 200 200 laps. So yeah, we need to keep in the gym. Where else? Oh, my, I gotcha. uh, my team. My, my team sent me um, like YouTube videos where I can see the line for the next races. Okay, I think that's great. That, that's a great way to do to do that and prepare for these races. Is there any one track that you're kind of looking forward to more than the others? Sorry, I didn't hear it. I said, is there any one track that's coming up that you're looking forward to, maybe a little bit more than the others? Mm, I think Charlotte is one of the races I want to, to race because um, the team is it's, it's from there. And it was my first race there. It was at Hickory. So it's going to be very special. Okay, and and are you crossing over into the Arkham Menard series at all this season? Yo, so I'm staying uh, here in Mexico, uh, flying to the U.S. And in May it's going to be very stressful because 
we have three races and one in Mexico. So I'm going to stay the whole uh, month in the U.S. and fly, uh, I think, the 30, 20th, I think, to the May to fly to Tuxla Gutierrez for our first race in, in, the, in the Mexico series. Oh, okay. That is going to be a lot. <laughs> You're going to be yeah. uh, traveling quite a bit there. Okay. So um, uh, it's it's really been great talking to you, Max. Uh, and I like like Jay said, we have so many other questions for you, but so little time to do it all tonight. So we hope there's a chance that you'll come back and visit with us again somewhere uh, throughout the season. Uh, but, uh, again, congratulations on your victory at New Smyrna, and we're definitely looking forward to seeing what happens at uh, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway uh, that's coming up here on May the 8th. So, again, thanks for for taking the time to talk with us tonight. No, thank you for the opportunity to be here, and hope to see you soon. And thanks to all my sponsors, Tough Build, Avaya Technique, Calcell for everything. And, yeah, let's try to do our best in the next race. Okay. Well, we're looking forward to it. Uh, take care, and we'll we'll see you somewhere down the road here. For sure. Thanks so much. Okay. Good night now. All right. That was Max Gutierrez. Uh, like you say, the wait was well worth it. Uh, to have a chance to chat with him and and talk about his season and and some of his thoughts about what's already transpired this year, but you know looking ahead to to the future races and how he's preparing and all of that jay uh it was a fun conversation well, I expected his answer when you asked if there are any tracks he was looking forward to uh I know he's got to finish this year, but looking back to going to New Smyrna next year or, or campaigning to have that one put on the track multiple times uh, on the schedule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think that's awesome. So, um uh you know, it, and it, I thought did I hear him right that he is planning to race some of the Arkham Arts I, he's planning to race at Charlotte Motor Speedway too in May, along with the Mexico Series and along with the May race, May eighth at uh, Nashville Fairgrounds. So he's got a busy month coming up. Yeah, I didn't re- didn't realize that uh, when he said that that he was still running full time this year with the Mexico Series. So yeah, apparently May yeah. is going to be pretty busy for him. Uh, but that's great because again, that's what I know the sim racing and the, and the i racing and the simulator do provide something, but just a, the on-track experience, no matter what track it is, what car it is, you're learning something. So uh, I, was, that was, I was happy to hear that, and I'm sure he's excited to be able to still do that, uh, even with the busy, hectic schedule. Yes, yes, indeed. And I'm glad to see that he is racing some of the Arkham Menard Series events this year, too. So, okay, so with that, uh, Jay, I know we're a little bit ahead here, uh, but let's go ahead and get into uh, the truck series. They're going to be racing this weekend out, out at Richmond. Uh, this, I believe, is the last of the short, short track swing, if you want to call it that. Um, and and uh, they raced at Bristol, then they raced at Martinsville, and this week they're, they're racing 
at, uh, well, the Camping World Truck Series didn't race all those events, but NASCAR in general went to Bristol, Martinsville, and now at uh, at uh, Richmond. So they're going to be racing the Toyota Care 250 at Richmond Raceway on Saturday, April the 17th. It is uh, the green flag should fall sometime around 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1, and they will carry their pre-race coverage starting at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The radio coverage is on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 187.5 miles, over 250 laps, and the first two stages are 70 laps each, uh, the second stage ends on lap 140, and the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 250. So um, in the Camping World Truck Series, uh, we have uh, just the second time that it's happened that we've had uh, a couple of different women racing in the series. Well, this one surprised me. For just as Sharon mentioned, just the second time, this weekend's Camping World Truck Series race uh, will be just the second event of the 12 run at Richmond that multiple female driver, drivers will be competing. In total, five female drivers have competed in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race at Richmond. The first female to do so uh, was Tammy Jo Kirk back in 1997. But this weekend, it'll be David Gillen's Racing's Haley Deegan and Jennifer Jo Cobb's Racing, Jennifer Jo Cobb, to compete together head-to-head this weekend at Richmond. I uh, look back at throughout the year there. The first time it happened was uh, last year, actually, September of 2020, Jennifer Jokob and Natalie Decker. Uh, going back 2005, it was Deborah Renshaw, as well as 2004. In 2003, it was Tina Gordon. And then mentioned in 1997, the first was Tammy Jo Kirk. And the best finish by the female competitor in the Camping World Truck Series is fifth by Natalie Decker at Daytona International Speedway in 2020. The best finish by a female competitor on a short track in the Truck Series is 13th, and that was by Tammy Jo Kirk at Bristol Motor Speedway back in 1998. And the best finish at Richmond, however, at 26, and that was by Tina Gordon in 2003. So we may see some new uh, stats and records broken there with female drivers. Yes, indeed. So uh, this is going to be fun to watch at Richmond uh, to see how well the females uh, do in this particular race. Uh, uh, And uh, it's a fast, short track. And uh, I think a lot of the drivers are looking forward to uh, the race this weekend in the trucks. Now, we'll also give you a Sunoco rookie update uh, because they were not racing last week. We talked a little bit about this, uh, but after taking a one-point lead in the Sunoco Rookie of the Year point standings after Atlanta, Carson Hosevar finished 21st on the Bristol Dirt to up his advantage to 14 points now over Chandler Smith coming out of Thunder Valley. Now, Smith finished 34th after being caught up in a multiple truck incident. So that's what set him back. 
Now, the remainder of the standings stayed pretty much the same after Bristol. Chase Purdy was the highest finishing rookie of Bristol, finishing 18th. Uh, but Haley Deegan was right behind him in the 19th place. Josebar and Smith both raced the Camping World Truck Series at Richmond last year. Uh, now, that's when Smith finished 12th and Josebar finished 22nd. So last season, Bristol Motor Speedway winner and fellow 21 rookie, Sam Mayer is making will be making his NASCAR Cap, Camping World Truck Series season debut this week, and he'll be racing for Brett Holmes Racing in the number 32 truck. So that could be a little bit of a caveat that plays in here. But uh, right now, Carson Hosefar is at 190. I'm sorry, 109 points. Uh, he's received two awards. Chandler Smith at 95 points again with two awards. Chase Purdy, this is where it gets tight between Chase Purdy and Haley Deegan. Chase Purdy has 71 points with one award. Haley Deegan, 69 points and no awards. Uh, following them is Chris Wright. And uh, Tim Baines uh, still hasn't uh, started yet, uh, but that's why he's in the last place here. Uh, but uh I look for him at some point this season uh, to be racing here in the Camping World Truck Series. All right. Well, maybe should have looked at this before we made our race picks. I know I got already got my truck pick in, but Thor Sport Racing <laughs> dominated Richmond last season. Now, last season's return to Richmond Raceway resulted in a dominating performance by Thor Sport Racing with three of their four trucks finishing one, two, and three. Uh, led by Grant Enfinger taking the victory, teammates Matt Crafton finished in second, and Ben Rhodes in third. The three Thor Sport drivers all spent time out front and led a combined total of 109 of the 250 laps, putting on a show for their fans. Uh, this weekend could be more of the same as last season because the same four Thor Sport drivers are entered into this weekend's race. Last season's winner, Grant Enfringer, is especially hungry for a victory this season as he is only running a limited schedule in 2021. Enfinger's last win came on the Martinsville Speedway short track at the end of last season. Now, Enfinger's teammate, Matt Crafton, is currently on a 21-race winless streak dating back to last season at Kansas Speedway on July 25th. But Crafton knows his way around the short tracks, he has four victories on short tracks at three different styles, Martinsville, Iowa, and Eldora. The one Thor Sport driver, uh, racing driver with the wins already this season is Ben Rhodes. The Kentucky native kicked off the season with back-to-back wins at Daytona and the Daytona Road Course. And though Rhodes has yet to win on a short track in this series, he did finish runner-up last weekend on the Bristol Dirt. And though he has five short track wins in the truck series career, he's tied with Timothy Peters for second most among active drivers. Johnny Johnny Sauter struggled at Richmond last season, uh, started 20th and finished 27th, three laps down. Okay, but there's a couple of other drivers that fans will want to keep their eyes on this weekend, uh, and they are from Kyle Busch Motorsports. They have literally been unstoppable uh, the last three NASCAR Camping World Truck Series races, taking wins with three drivers. 
John Hunter Nemechek won in Las Vegas, Kyle Busch in Atlanta, and then it was Martin Truex Jr. winning on Bristol Dirt. Now the powerhouse organization has tapped their namesake uh, team owner, Kyle Busch, to strap into the number 51 and join the series standings leader, John Hunter Nemechek, and the rookie, Chandler Smith, in the quest to get their fourth straight victory of the year this weekend at Richmond. Now, Kyle Busch has amassed over 60 career Camping World Truck Series wins across 19 different tracks. In total, Bush has competed on 23 different tracks in the truck series, leaving just four that he has yet to win at, including this weekend's destination at Richmond Raceway. The other three are not on the schedule. That includes South Boston Speedway, Lucas Oil Raceway in Indianapolis, and Chicago Motors, Chicago Land Speedway in, in Joliet, Illinois. Or, okay, maybe this was years ago. I don't remember it. Chicago Motor Speedway in Cicero, Illinois? That's interesting. <laughs> um, of Bush's 60 career Camping World Truck Series wins, seven have been on short tracks, five at Bristol, and two at Martinsville. Now, this weekend, the starting lineup is decided by the metric qualifying, and Cal Bush Motorsports drivers will start in 12th place, that's Kyle Busch. 18th place is uh, John Hunter Nemechek. And in 23rd place will be Chandler Smith. So I would watch out for Kyle Busch Motorsports this weekend. Uh, you got to any weekend, especially when Kyle Busch is in the truck, most certainly. <laughs> now, when we look at short track trucking, we're going to take a look at the field for this weekend. Expect the competition to be fierce as there are 10 former NASCAR Camping World Truck Series short track winners entered. The best to ever race short tracks in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series was NASCAR Hall of Famer Ron Hornaday Jr. And though he never took home the checkered flag at Richmond Raceway, of his 51 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series wins, 22 were on the short tracks, which is 43.1%. And Hornaday's 22 short track truck wins were spread across 12 different tracks. Uh, Martinsville in 2010, Lucas Oil Raceway in 10, 2009, 7, and 1997, Memphis in 09, 08, and 1998, Mansfield in 06, Evergreen in 99 and 95, Bristol in 98 and 97, uh, Flemington in 97, 95, Colorado in 97, Louisville in 97 and 96, Tucson in 97 and 95, Portland in 1996, and Mesa Marin in 1995. And it should be no surprise that the winningest driver in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, Kyle Busch, with 60 career truck wins, also leads all drivers, all active drivers, in the short track uh, victories with seven wins, uh, five of them coming at Bristol, two at Martinsville. Johnny Sauter and Timothy Peters, though, are right there with five uh, for Sauter. It was one at Bristol and four at Martinsville. Timothy Peters, one at Bristol, two at Iowa, one at Lucas Oil Raceway, and one at Martinsville. Next on the list, you got Matt Crafton. He's got four. 
His came at Eldora, Iowa, and then two at Martinsville. And you drop down to Brett Moffitt, he's got uh, three, Grant Enfinger, two, John, Hammond, John Hunter Nemechek, two, Sam Mayer, one, Stuart Friesen, one, and Todd Gilliland, one. So of the ten short track truck winners entered this weekend at Richmond Raceway, eight are still looking for their first win of the 2021 season. The two Kyle Busch Motorsports drivers uh, mentioned, Kyle Busch at Atlanta and John Hunter Nemechek at Las Vegas, have already visited Victory Lane this season. In last season's return to Richmond Raceway, four of the ten short track truck champions or winners finished inside the top ten of the event. Talked about uh, Grant Enfinger winning. Matt Crafton was runner-up, Brett Moffitt finished fourth, and Stuart Friesen finished tenth. So expect to see the same mixture of those names, but we'll have to see who else mixes it up with them this year. Yes, indeed. And and I think there might be the possibility that some drivers learned from last year's event that maybe they can apply some of the, that learning to this year's event. Okay, the Richmond Rumble, the Camping World Truck Series returns. Short tracks have always played a very integral part in defining the competition landscape in the truck series. In the inaugural 1995 season, a majority of the tracks on the schedule were less than a mile in length, including Richmond Raceway, the destination for this weekend's Toyota Care 250. Now, Richmond Raceway has hosted 12 Camping World Truck Series events since the inception of the series in 1995. The first uh, truck race was at Richmond and held on September the 7th in 1995, and the event was won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Terry Labonte as he was driving the number five truck for Hendrick Motorsports. In total, the 12 truck races at Richmond have produced nine different pole winners and nine different race winners. NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart in 2002 and 3, Jack Sprague in 1998 and 2001, Mike Skinner in 96 and in 2005, they're tied for the series' most truck wins at Richmond Raceway with two each. Now, um, now I'm going to give a list here of the Richmond winners since 95. We mentioned Terry Labonte in that year, Mike Skinner in 96, Bob Keselowski, the father of, of uh, Brad Keselowski, won in 1997, Jack Sprague in 98, Greg Biffle in 99, Rick Corelli in the year 2000, Jack Sprague in 2001, Tony Stewart won two times in a row, 2002 and three, Ted Musgrave in 2004, Mike Skinner in 2005, and Grant Imfinger in the year 2020, just last season. Now, this weekend at Richmond, Thor Sports' Grant Imfinger is the only former series winner in the field. Imfinger grabbed his victory uh, at the .7-mile track last season, leading three times for 18 laps. Now Infinger is looking for his first to win this year uh, as he may, has made four starts this year on a part-time schedule and he's posted two top tens so far. 
So uh, the starting lineup for this weekend's event at Richmond was decided by, again, the metric qualifying system that NASCAR is using. And Ben Rhodes will start on the pole with a Tory Racing Enterprises' Austin Hill starting in second. So a lot to look forward to here in the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, again, we're a little bit ahead, but we're going to move right on into the updates for the Xfinity Series. I'm hoping that we have time uh, before we go into Hot Topics, Jay, uh, to do our fantasy update. So uh, uh, I'm going to try to keep us ahead of schedule here. All right. Okay, now the NASCAR Xfinity Series is not racing this weekend. They will be racing the Ag Pro 300 at Talladega Super Speedway next weekend, Saturday, April the 24th. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely have more preview of that uh, next Thursday night. But let's go ahead and give some of the updates here in the Xfinity Series. There's quite a few here. All right, well, I'll start with the manufacturer update. Uh, Chevrolet is leading that manufacturer's championship standings right now with four wins and 261 points. Mayak Schneider, A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Algar, and Josh Berry now have gotten Chevrolet their four wins. Toyota is second in the manufacturer's standings with one win and 249 points. Ford's one win, Ford's one win, That can't be right. Toyota's one win came from Ty yeah, Gibbs. Toyota hit with Daytona. Two, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I was like, wait a minute. Ty Gibbs don't drive a Ford. Uh, Toyota's one win came from Ty Gibbs at Daytona Road Course. Ford is currently third in the uh, manufacturer standings with 242 points and two wins. Their two wins came from Austin Sindrick in the season opener at Daytona and then at Phoenix Raceway. Okay, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Speaking of Ty Gibbs, uh, he continues to lead the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings with 128 points and two awards. But Josh Berry is now only eight points behind him with 120 points and two awards after his victory last weekend at Martinsville. Ryan Vargas is now in third at 61 points and three awards. Jordan Anderson and Sam Mayer still have not made the starts in the Xfinity Series in 2021, so they have no points uh, accounted for at this time. And that's all because of the uh, qualifying system that's currently in place during the pandemic. So hopefully uh, when we get back to normal, uh, we're going to see these guys back on the track. Well, as they say, uh, winning cures a lot of things, and that includes sponsorship, as Tire Pros extends their sponsorship with Josh Berry. After his first Xfinity Series victory last weekend at Martinsville Speedway, Josh Berry secured sponsorship for two more upcoming races. Tire Pros will sponsor the number eight at Talladega Super Speedway and Dover International Speedway. Co-owner of Junior Motorsports, Kelly Earnhardt Miller, announced on Twitter that Tire Pros would be back with the team after originally only backing the number eight for a total of six races, 
four of them being with Barry behind the wheel. So they like what they see out of Josh Barry. Yes, indeed. And why not? He's been doing a great job this year. Now, Big Machine Racing is going to be honoring Dan Gurney with a Darlington throwback. Uh, Everybody loves the Darlington throwback weekend. Uh, Big Machine Racing announced that they're honoring Dan Gurney, the late racing legend at Darlington uh, Raceway in May for the Xfinity Series. Gurney's All-American Racers, Inc., uh, color from the 19... 70 Trans Am Series season is going to be featured on the 48 Chevrolet. Gurney had a strong career winning races in NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, and the Trans Am Series, and more. Now, in 1967, he was part of the first and only All-American duo to win the 24 Hours of Le Mans with teammate A.J. Foyt. He was a highly successful team owner and the race car manufacturer. Now, keep an eye out for Big Machine Racing's Dan Gurney throwback at Darlington in just a few weeks here. So uh, that's going to be a big deal, having that uh, throwback uh, for Dan Gurney at Darlington. It is, and that's one of those that's tough to do a radio show on when we talk about Darlington with the throwback schemes. Uh, I mean, we can talk about them, but some of them you just got to (laughs) see. Yes, that is so true. All right. Given owner's points update following Martinsville, uh, Team Penske is leading. Whoops, excuse me. Team Team Penske is leading the owner points now with 317 points, two race wins, four stage wins, and 14 playoff points. Joe Gibbs Racing occupies spots two through four in the owner's points. The number 18, 275 points, 42 back from the leader. And for Team Penske, that would be, it didn't say it, but it would be the number 22 of Austin Sindrick. Uh, the number 18 has 275 points, 42 points back from the leader. They have three stage wins and three playoff points. The number 20 for JGR is third with 242 points. There's 75 points back from Team Penske's number 22. There it is. Fourth place, that's the number 54 for GGR with 231 points. That one has rotating drivers. Uh, They're currently 86 points back from the leader. They have the one race win, three stage wins, and six playoff points. College Racing's number 11 rounds out the top five in owner points. They have 230 points, 87 back from the leader. And then the College Racing's at number 10 and 16, are six and seventh respectively. Richard Childress Racing's number two is in eighth. Junior Motorsports number seven is in ninth. And the number 51 for Jeremy Clements Racing is holding on to the tenth spot there in owner points. So a little bit of a mixture there. We got two driver, or two teams, one team there that's doing the mixed driver. The rest of them are all full time. Yes. Uh, so always, always fun to take a look at how the owners' points are. Uh, Uh, lining up there. Now, Dash for Cash continues at Talladega. Again, Xfinity's not racing this weekend, so their next race is Talladega. Gregson won the first Dash for Cash prize. So the whole program is designed to add elements of unpredictability and drama leading up to and during 
the four designated races to increase on-track competition, engage fans, and reward and recognize NASCAR Xfinity Series regular competitors. Now, the weekend program makes its official start in 2021 with four drivers, Justin Algauer, Harrison Burton, Nor Gregson, and A.J. Elmendinger, all vying for the big $100,000 bonus payout. The Xfinity Series Dash for Cash will take place at four tracks. Uh, we've already had Martinsville on April the 9th. Talladega is coming up at, uh, on April the 24th. Next would be Darlington Raceway on May 8th and Dover International Speedway on May the 15th. The March 20th race at Atlanta Motor Speedway was the initial qualifier for the Dash for Cash program, and the top four full-time finishers in that Atlanta race qualified for the first round of the Dash for Cash at Martinsville Speedway this past weekend. Now, Raul Gregson won that $100,000 bonus, and he's eligible again next week at Talladega Super Speedway, along with his teammate, Josh Berry, Daniel Hemrick, and Brandon Jones. The Dash for Cash winner and the next three highest finishing full-time NASCAR Xfinity Series drivers at Talladega will then qualify for the next round of the Dash for Cash program at Darlington, and that format will continue on into Dover. So Dash for Cash is always fun, and uh, it was great to see Noah Gregson uh, win that first event. Well, and he, I know I saw a clip of it on Race Hub. Uh, he didn't win the race as his teammate Josh Berry did, and he was excited for him, but he was carrying around that check pretty proudly. <laughs> yes, yes, he was. Speaking of that, we've mentioned him a couple times. We're going to go a little more in depth here on Josh Berry as he is the Xfinity Series third first time winner here in 2021. NASCAR Xfinity Series Cookout 250 at Martinsville Speedway was postponed after weather took over on Friday night in Virginia. The race rescheduled for Sunday the 11th. The series crowned another first-time winner with Josh Berry. Berry, who drives part-time for Junior Motorsports, took the lead from Ty Gibbs, one of the other first-time winners, on lap 223 out of 250 and held on to it the rest of the way in only his 13th series start. Barry crossed the finish line 0. .590 seconds uh, before his teammate, Junior Motorsports teammate, Noah Gregson, which Gregson picks up that extra payday of $100,000 as that highest finishing among the Dash for Cash eligible drivers as they kicked off that initiative. Barry led a race-high 95 laps and became the first driver to win an Xfinity race in the number eight since Dale Earnhardt Jr. as a car owner did it back at Michigan in 2006. And Daniel Hemrick finished third, while Gibbs ended up holding on to fourth. His Joe Gibbs racing teammate, Brandon Jones, finished fifth. Series leader, Austin Sindrick, was sixth. He was followed by Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, Justin Algar, and then Michael Annette rounding out the top ten. So all four of the Junior Motorsports Chevrolets and Joe Gibbs Racing's Toyotas finished in the top ten. And that does, as Sharon mentioned, uh, Barry is now eligible for the Dash for Cash program at the next event at Talladega Super Speedway, along with Gregson, Hemrick, and Jones. 
After a break in the action, the Xfinity Series mentioned they'll be returning to Talladega Super Speedway Saturday, April 24th for that AG Pro 300. It should be on Fox, MRN, and Sirius XM race, uh, radio. Okay. Now, uh, we, we are so far ahead right now that I'm going to go ahead and go over the series point standings here for the uh, Xfinity Series. Austin Sindrick does lead the points. at 317 points with two race wins and four, 14, I'm sorry, playoff points. So he has the most playoff points, and uh, with those two wins, uh, he is also uh, leading the series point standings. Uh, Daniel Hemrick is in second place. Uh, the next string of drivers I'm going to mention here are down to sixth place. Uh, do not have wins yet. So they'll be looking for a win this weekend at Richmond. Daniel Hemrick in second, Harrison Burton in third, Justin Haley in fourth, Jeb Burton in fifth. Uh, the next driver in sixth place, A.J. Allmendinger, does have the one win. Uh, then it's Myatt Snyder with one win and Justin Algauer with one win. In ninth place uh, through 12th place, which is the qualifying drivers for the playoffs, uh, these drivers do not have wins. And I'm going to explain how that's going to displace them coming up here. Uh, so you've got Jeremy Clements in ninth place at zero uh, wins. Brandon Jones in 10th place. Noah Gregson in 11th place. And Michael Annette in 12th place. Those all, those, all of those drivers want to get a win at Richmond this weekend, too, because it's going to take some of the heat off of them because Josh Berry, who is currently now in 17th place, does have a win. And so that pushes Michael Annette below that cutoff line. And Ty Gibbs also has a win. He's only raced three of the seven races. Josh Berry has only raced six of the seven races. So those drivers are hoping to get uh, a full-time ride. Right now they're part-time drivers. They want to see if they can race the rest of the season uh, because they have those victories. And if that happens for Ty Gibbs, both of these guys are rookies, they're going to displace Noah Gregson, and he falls now below the cutoff line. That's why these guys with zero wins right now want to get a win as quickly as possible, Jay. Well, and Sharon, I want to want to kind of clarify something there. At this point, you mentioned they, they haven't run all the races. If they get more events in and only miss one or two events, it would be up to NASCAR to give them that waiver because yes. one of the requirements is running all the races. I know there's some talk out there about it, and we'll talk about it in Hot Topics, Grant Infring in the Truck Series specifically, that would require a waiver, being that they aren't running the full season. Yes, and and a lot of that has to do with sponsorship. In the case of Ty Gibbs, it might have to do with his age as well. I'm, I can't remember exactly what Ty Gibbs' age is right now, uh, but I think he's young and he's not authorized maybe on some of these larger tracks that NASCAR is racing on. So, um, you know, a lot of this is really um, – uh, going to be interesting to see how it plays out for the rest of the year. We saw Josh Berry get additional sponsorship after winning 
but he's got to keep that up for the rest of this season uh, to have a chance at getting one of those waivers. The other two interesting things I look at there, you mentioned Daniel Hemrick is actually second in points with uh, no wins, uh, yet we saw that we see that in the Cup Series, uh, Danny Hamlin leading the points with no wins. So that tells you how consistent mm-hmm. they are, that they are running. And then the other factor there of right around that 12 spot, uh, unfortunately, Brandon Brown is now 13th on the outside looking in by two points, one that we saw him make the playoffs last year. And we mentioned Jeremy Clements is actually 10th in owner points but 9th in driver points, another self-owned team uh, that are fighting against these big top teams to get in these playoff spots. So uh, you got to admire that. We, we've seen it so far, Brandon Brown having an excellent season following up his uh, entry into the playoffs last year. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, let's not forget that some of these drivers that are below the cut line uh, could come up with a victory, uh, you know, a surprise victory. We've seen first-time winners all season long, so you never know when one of those guys uh, might be able to pull it off and get a victory. Look what Josh Berry did just this past weekend. Uh, most certainly. Uh, right there you got it. just to name a few. Uh, Brandon Brown and Riley Herbst are both previous winners, but Josh Williams in the 92, another cell phone team in 16th. Tommy Joe Martins is in 18th. Landon Castle with the number four for JD Motorsports. Ryan Sieg, Joe Graff Jr., uh, 20th and 21st. So we're seeing, seeing uh, I think, a little bit of that window close uh, as far as the top teams as well as then the next tier, tier down uh, that these teams are, you know, it starts somewhere. It starts with making the playoffs in 16th or whatever. But as we saw that is seen this year, these teams are starting to run top five, uh, getting closer to that victory. So letting them know they're there. Okay. Uh, Jay, we're so far ahead on the um, – um, let me look here again because <laughs> uh, we probably do still have a lot to cover here in the Cup Series. But we are so far ahead, I'm going to go ahead and take the chance. Let's go ahead and give our update on the uh, fantasy game. All right. Uh, On the truck series for the fantasy points right now, Sharon's leading that one at 27 points. Andy's at 21. Sam is at 18. Mike at 16. And then Jay and Tommy, uh, myself and Tommy, uh, tied at 15. So the top 16 there. Oddly enough, normally the truck series is the tightest battle. This year, Sharon's got a six-point gap there. When we look at the Xfinity series, Andy is leading. He doesn't have that luxury. He's got 32 points. James is at 20 or at 31, one point back. Owen at 29 is only three back, and Mike at 27. So top four there. That's only a five-point gap. Uh, the Cup Series. I'm in the middle. I'm leading at 49 points. Sharon's at 46, and Mike and Sam are tied in third and fourth there at 44. So there's a four or a five-point gap as well in the top five. Now overall, that puts Sharon at the top with 92. I'm going to pause here for applause. Go ahead, Sharon. Get your dogs to bark. They're <laughs> <laughs> uh, not barking right now. They're sleeping. <laughs> my oh, then then we don't want to disturb them. Never mind. We'll get to them later. 
Uh, Mike is at 87 <laughs> points. Sam at 83. I'm at 78. And Owen at 76. And that's the top five there for the overall. So uh, still real competitive. Uh, and we got a lot of racing plus the playoffs. We get double points in the playoffs. Uh, I know Tommy's name got mentioned at least once there. He got a late start with us, but he's in the top five there in the Cup Series. Uh, still plenty mm-hmm. of time to work his way back in as well. Without a doubt, we've seen it happen for sure. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into the NASCAR Cup Series racing at Martinsville Speedway this weekend. It will be the Toyota Care 400. Uh, They'll be racing this Sunday, April the 18th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, That coverage will be on Fox. Uh, starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern for the pre-race coverage, and also MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 300 miles over 400 laps. Uh, The first stage ends on lap 80. The second stage ends on lap 235. And the final stage ends on lap 400. So that's a long, long span there uh, for that second stage. It is definitely going to be an interesting race for sure. Uh, As we look at some of the news and notes here for the Cup Series, as it works out, I appreciate me getting to do this one. Brad Keselowski and his Checkered Flag Foundation support the Month of the Military Child. Uh, During the month of April, you can expect to see purple on Brad Keselowski's number two Team Penske Ford Mustang. In addition to having his own name in purple above the driver's side door, Keselowski will carry the name of a military child, which will also be marked in purple, above his passenger side door in an effort to recognize them for their heroism and sacrifices. The design element is something Keselowski and the Checkered Flag Foundation implemented to show their appreciation and support of military children during this nationally recognized month of the military child, which is a time to celebrate the strength and resiliency of military children. Now, three different children will ride along with Keselowski on that number two Ford Mustang during the three NASCAR Cup Series races taking place in April. The initiative, again, is part of the Checkered Flags Foundation's longstanding history to honor and assist all heroes including the families who support them. At Martinsville, it's going to be Jacob Vierbeek, uh, age 11, from Connecticut. He's the son of a fallen U.S. Marine, Jared Vierbeek, uh, who passed away in the line of duty back in 2011. Jacob's father was recognized on Matt Benedetto's race during the 2016 600 Miles of Remembrance at Charlotte Motor Speedway. At Richmond, It's going to be Andrew Powell, who's age four, from Fort Hood, Texas. Uh, Andrew Powell's father currently serves in the U.S. Army. Andrew loves things that go fast, which includes planes, trains, and, of course, race cars, and finds his enjoyment reading NASCAR statistic books. Wow, reading NASCAR statistic books at age four, that's, (laughs) wow. Yeah, that's pretty Uh, amazing. That's awesome. Uh, Talladega. That is going to be Stephen Soom, age 15, from Poughkeepsie, New York. If I said that right, 
Uh, Stephen's father, Poughkeepsie, all right. Uh, Stephen's father currently serves in the U.S. Army, and Stephen is a huge NASCAR and Brad Keselowski fan and has a love for learning that he plans to use to become an engineer one day. Going back since 2017, the Checkered Flag Foundation has supported the National Military Family Association's Operation Purple Healing Adventures, the OPHA, uh, retreats that allow military families to bond with each other and adapt to the new normal after a service-related injury. So, again, that one's very personal to me. Having been in the military, uh, great things there by Brad Keselowski and his organization. Without a doubt. Uh, that is so uh, heartwarming that he is doing that uh, for the children of these service members. And, uh, you know, we thank them for their service, but uh, the kids often go overworked. So this is a great initiative, I think, because they do make a huge sacrifice as well uh, when a parent is away for so long. So I really applaud Brad Keselowski for doing that. Okay, up next, you know, Darlington is a throwback weekend, uh, so Goodyear is going to do something a little bit different this year. They're going to roll with Goodyear for the Goodyear 400 on May the 9th. Darlington Raceway and Goodyear announced a partnership on entitlement for the spring NASCAR Cup Series race as a part of the official throwback weekend of the NASCAR on May 9th. The official name of the race, again, is the Goodyear 400. So Goodyear does have a rich history at Darlington Raceway as it conducted its first official NASCAR tire test at the track in 1954 and earned its first NASCAR victory in the 1959 Southern 500 with driver Jim Reed. In support of the official throwback weekend of NASCAR, Goodyear will once again replace the Yellow Eagle logo on the sidewalks of its racing tires with a vintage blue streak sidewall design. In keeping with the race weekend's throwback theme, the blue streak tires will include white Goodyear lettering and a white logo that reflects the design of the NASCAR tires used in the 1960s and 70s. The blue streaks were phased out in 1981 as Goodyear racing tires moved to the Eagle design. So the Goodyear 400 uh, is a continuation of Goodyear's long-standing relationship with the sport of racing as the exclusive tire supplier for NASCAR's top three series. Goodyear is the longest-running continuous partner in NASCAR's history. From the introduction of the racing slick in 1972 to the radial tire, in 1989, the multi-zone tread tire design in 2013, Goodyear and NASCAR have consistently innovated to deliver a compelling racing on the track. Now, Goodyear produces more than 100,000 tires for NASCAR's top three series every year, and each tire is custom-built by the hands of passionate Goodyear associates in Akron, Ohio. Now, Goodyear's global headquarters is located there, and they've donned with the name of the employee who helped to produce it. So uh, that is pretty cool that NASCAR is bringing 
that vintage blue streak tire for the Darlington Throwback Weekend. I was just trying to think of a car out there that has a uh, a silver and blue yellow kind of paint scheme that could do the throwback to the Goodyear blimp. I think that would look really good on a race car for a paint scheme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be kind of cool. All right. Richmond Raceway, Virginia State University, they created the eSports Management Pilot Program. Richmond Raceway and the Virginia State University announced a pilot program to evolve the track's current eSports team and offer new opportunities to historically black colleges and universities, or the HBCU, students that are interested in careers in sports management. Through this strategic alliance, Richmond Raceway eSports, fueled by Sunoco, operations will be managed in partnership with Virginia State University's Department of Sport Management. As part of an expanded relationship with Richmond Raceway, the first-of-its-kind program will teach students how to manage an eSports team competing at the highest level of sim racing. The Richmond Raceway eSports fueled by Sunoco, which is competing in its fourth season in the NASCAR in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series, will continue to field two cars driven by Jimmy Mullis, the number 46 Sunoco Toyota Camry, and Zach Novak, and the number 90 Virginia Tourism Corporation Toyota Camry as they compete for the largest purse in series history, totaling $330,000. Through this initiative, NASCAR will welcome a Virginia State University student intern to manage the program and coordinate with students in the sports marketing department to fulfill curriculum requirements and experimental projects involving team operations, graphic design, social media marketing, and live event coordination, as well as more things. Uh, you can check out all this information on the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series at www.enascar.com. Another cool program that uh, I know we talk about this with the e-racing and, and iRacing, all that, that sponsors and schools like that are getting involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw this news and I thought it was very, very cool. I like seeing the uh, technical alliances like that. It's kind of like UTI uh, that uh, teams up with uh, Rev Racing and and, and uh, provides some of the support that they get. So I think it's awesome. Okay, now we did this last week and I'm sorry, you wanted to say something? No, I was going to say that UTI is another great Okay, um, the local angle uh, is what we're going to look at here next. Uh, we did it last week, as I started to say, and they're doing it again this week. And I think it's great because it takes a lot of different people from all over the country to make a NASCAR event run with the precision that we've all come to enjoy. And actually, I think we take it for granted sometimes. So, again, this weekend, they're turning the spotlight on team members from Virginia and uh, a snapshot of what their responsibilities at the track are going to be this weekend. Uh, I think this is really a cool feature that NASCAR is doing. Uh, Let's start with David Jones from Roanoke, Virginia, with Starcom Racing for the number 00. Uh, He is the car chief. 
Uh, also, Scott Woodfin from Colonial Heights, Virginia, and Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, he's the number one hauler driver. Stephen Price from Lynchburg, Virginia, with Chip Ganassi Racing, is the rear tire changer. Uh, also, you've got Ethan Tingler from Radford, Virginia, with Richard Childress Racing, number three. He's a rear tire changer. Cliff Daniels. Uh, from Smithville, Virginia, and Hendrick Motorsports for the number five is the crew chief. Chris Haymaker from Moneta, Virginia, also from Hendrick Motorsports, number nine is the front end mechanic. And then you've got Tony Bove from Burlington, Virginia, also from Hendrick Motorsports in the number nine. He's the engine tuner. Joe White from Windsor, Virginia, from Stuart Hawes Racing's number 14, is the spotter. Keith Eads from Arlington, Virginia, also Stuart Hawes Racing's number 14, is the tire specialist. Dwayne Zirkel, rider, uh, from, also from Roanoke, Virginia, and Rosh Fenway Racing for the number 17, is the, uh, uh, let's see, hauler driver and front tire uh, catcher, front tire catcher. And then Jonathan Simmons from Bassett, Virginia, in Ross Fenway Racing for the 17th is the engine tour. Brad Donaghy is from Orange, Virginia, with Joe Gibbs Racing uh, for the number 19. He's the tire carrier. Jeff Curtis, Fairfax Station, Virginia, from Joe Gibbs Racing's number 19 is the lead engineer. Then we've got Chris Jones from Lake Virginia and Joe Gibbs Racing, number 20. He's the front-end mechanic. Chris Sherwood from Portsmouth, Virginia, uh, and Joe Gibbs Racing's number 20. He's the car chief. Then we go to Brian Goodman from Midlothian, Virginia, and Front Row Motorsports, number 43. He's the engine tuner. Then we go to Bradley Sisson from King George, Virginia, and Richard Petty Motorsports, number 43. He's the social media manager for in hospitality. Then it's James J.P. Kelly from Luray, Virginia, Trackhouse Racing's number 99. He's the foreman there. And Lamar Neal from Virginia Beach, Virginia, and Trackhouse Racing's number 99, tire carrier. So a great feature there where we're focusing on people who don't always get recognized for all that they do at the track. And uh, I think it's it's really cool because uh, a lot of people may not realize just how many different people it takes to make things run smoothly uh, during a race weekend. Yeah, I'm with you. I like that that highlight on some of the crew members as it pertains to the home state there. Uh, yes. Now, I, Coming up at Richmond, Brad Keselowski looks to make it two in a row. Uh, he's looking to get his first win of the season. The Team Penske's Brad Keselowski is the defending winner of the most recent race at Richmond Raceway. I'm looking to add his name to the list of NASCAR Cup Series driver that have their own consecutive races, have won consecutive races at the historic .7 mile facility. A total of 11 different drivers in the NASCAR Cup Series have posted consecutive wins at Richmond Raceway. A NASCAR Hall of Famer, Richard Petty, leads the series in consecutive Cup wins at Richmond with seven from the fall of fall race of 1970 
to the fall race of 1973. Next on the list is Joe Weatherly. He did uh, 1962, 1960, and 63. David Pearson, 1965 and a 1966 sweep. Uh, I mentioned Richard Petty. He's got 1970, the 71 sweep, 72 sweep, and 73 sweep. Cale Yarbrough, uh, 76 and 77. Bobby Allison, 1982 and an 83 sweep. Dale Earnhardt, an 87 sweep, and then 1990 and 91. Rusty Wallace, an 89 sweep. Terry Labonte, 1994 and 95. Jimmy Johnson had the sweep in 2007. 2018, it was Kyle Busch. And in 2019, it was Martin Truex Jr., now, the two active drivers on that list there, Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr., are the most recent competitors to win consecutive races at Richmond and scribed their names on the list. Keselowski has made 22 starts at Richmond, posting two poles, uh, two, th- uh, two wins in 2014 and t- 2020, six top fives and 12 top 10s. But I think uh, most importantly, he's looking for that first win of this year. Exactly. Another driver that's probably looking for a first win but has been extremely consistent and dependable is Denny Hamlin as he heads to Richmond riding a streak of top fives. Now, the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings leader, Denny Hamlin, is sitting on a mountain of points, plus 76 over his Joe Gibbs Racing teammate, Martin Truex Jr., in second place. After Hamlin put up seven top fives in the first eight races of this season. Now, the Chesterfield, Virginia native is riding a streak of five top five finishes heading into this weekend at Richmond Raceway. Now, if he scores another top five this weekend at Richmond, he will tie his Cup Series career's longest streak of consecutive top fives at six straight. In 2019, Hamlin, when Hamlin strung together two wins and six top fives from the 19th race through the 24th race of the season, that was Kentucky, New Hampshire, Pocono, Watkins Glen, Michigan, and Bristol, the longest streak of consecutive top five finishes in his career. This season, Hamlin leads the series points heading into Richmond, but he's still looking for his first win of the year in eight starts in 2021. Now, Hamlin leads the series in laps led at 487. He has top fives and top ten finishes, seven each, and he's tied for the most stage wins with three. Now, Richmond Raceway is is not only one of Hamlin's home tracks, but it's also one of his best. He's made 28 Cup Series starts at Richmond, posting three poles, three wins, and 13 top fives, along with 17 top tens. He also has the second-best average finish at 9.2 at the .7-mile track, along with active drivers behind his Joe Gibbs Racing teammate, Kyle Busch, who has an average finish of 6.7. So uh, a lot to look forward to there with Denny Hamlin. Uh, This could be his first win of the season as well. Well, we'll talk a little bit about another one as they get to beating and banging. 
is the short track specialist to watch this weekend. Since the first NASCAR Cup Series season back in 1949, short tracks, which are track less than a mile in length, have graced the competitive schedule and been a part of the fabric that makes up this sport. Now, NASCAR Hall of Famer, aptly nicknamed the King, Richard Petty scored 138 of his record 200 NASCAR Cup Series victories on the short track, the series' most short track wins of all time. He also holds the record for most wins at a single NASCAR Cup Series track, posting 15 victories at last weekend's venue, Martinsville Speedway. Now, Petty also has 13 wins at this weekend's short track, Richmond Raceway, which is the third most all-time at a single track. Among the active drivers this weekend, 10 have posted wins on short tracks in the NASCAR Cup Series, led by Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch with 16 short track cup victories. That includes six at Richmond. Team Penske's Joey Logano is the only other driver to win at what is now four of the currently active short tracks on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule, with his victory two weeks ago on the Bristol Dirt. You mentioned Kyle, he's got 16 total, two at Martinsville, six at Richmond, eight at Bristol. Denny Hamlin with a total of 10, five at Martinsville, three at Richmond, two at Bristol. Kurt Busch also at 10. His goes two at Martinsville, two at Richmond, six at Bristol. Brad Keselowski and Kevin Harvick, they each have seven total. Keselowski's are two, two, and three at Martinsville, Richmond, Bristol. Harvick is one at Martinsville, I'm sorry, three at uh, Richmond and three at Bristol. Mentioned Joey Logano, he's got six. He's the only one with all four, one at Martinsville, two at Richmond, excuse me, two at Bristol, and then the one on Bristol Dirt. Martin Truex has a total of five. Three of his are at Martinsville, two at Richmond. Ryan Newman has two total one at Richmond and one at uh, Martinsville. Chase Elliott has one at Martinsville. And then Kyle Larson has one his coming at Richmond. Uh, Seven of the ten active NASCAR Cup Series short track winners are entered into this weekend looking for that first victory of 2021 we keep harping on. Six of the seven former winners at Richmond, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick, Ryan Newman, and the most recent winner at Richmond, Brad Keselowski. Interestingly, none of the active drivers entered this weekend have won all three NASCAR Series races at Richmond, but six have won in both the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series at the .7 mile. Kyle Busch has six in the Cup Series, six in the Xfinity Series, three in the Cup, seven in Xfinity. Hamlin, three in Cup, three in Xfinity. Brad Keselowski, two in the Cup, four in Xfinity. Kurt Busch, two in Cup, one in Xfinity, and Kyle Larson with one each. Of three other Cup drivers entered, entered this weekend have just won in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Richmond. Hendrick Motorsports' Chase Elliott in 2015. Joe Gibbs Racing' Christopher Bell has three wins at 2018 sweep and 2019. And Stuart Haas Racing's Cole Custer has one win in 2019. Team Penske's Brad Kozlowski is the defending race winner of last season's Cup race at Richmond, his seventh career short track win. Total, 22 starts at Richmond, posting the two poles, two wins, coming in at 14 and 20, 
in the six top fives and 12 top tens. Okay, real quick, uh, just to kind of close this all out, I'll go over the active winners, uh, the active drivers that are winners at Richmond. Uh, Kyle Busch, of course, had the list at six. He had a uh, 2018 sweep. He also won in 12, 11, 10, and 9. Denny Hamlin has three wins there in 16, 10, and 9. Kevin Harvick, three wins in 13, 11, and 6. Brad Keselowski, two wins in 2020, along with 14. Joy Logano in 17 and 14. Bush in 2015 and 2005. Martin Truex Jr. had a 2019 sweep. Kyle Larson uh, had one win in 2017. And Ryan Newman was one win in 2003. Now, again, the starting lineups are done by the metric qualifying system for this weekend's Richmond event. And last weekend's Martinsville winner and Joe Gibbs Racing driver Martin Truex will start from the pole this week with his teammate Denny Hamlin joining him on the front row. So uh, I'm sure those two will put on a good show for us at Richmond. We are now at the top of the hour, and that means it is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us for tonight's show is uh, one of our regulars, uh, Mike Orzel. Welcome to the show. You know what's coming. Hello. <laughs> okay. Welcome. And then also we have with us again tonight and uh, our newest member, Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I think you're becoming almost you're you're becoming pretty close to being a regular too, Tommy. Even though you're subbing all the time. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, I, I really like being on here. It's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. I really enjoy having you on too. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started with tonight's hot topics. And Mike, uh, we're going to let you kick it off for tonight. Well, NASCAR has been teasing it for the past uh, week or two, and Ford just released a video today as well. Uh, We are going to see the reveal of the Gen 7 car on May 5th. Uh, This should be the reveal, the final version of each car for each manufacturer. So obviously we've seen the car on the racetrack in various testing with kind of a generic front and rear end on it and some camouflage paint. But this should be our first time to see the specific Toyota, Ford, and Chevrolet versions that are going to be on the racetrack starting in the 2022 season. Okay. So, Tommy, your thoughts. Did you see the uh, sneak peek today? Uh, no, ma'am, I did not. Um, but uh, I am super excited to see these cars. Uh, I'm, I've been a huge fan of paint schemes ever since watching NASCAR, of course. I mean, Jeff Gordon's and Dale Hart's and all those are some of my favorites, even Johnny Benson. But I can't wait to see what they look like. I know they're going to look like the street cars because they're trying to get the appeal there. Um, and then, of course, there's that one surprise manufacturer that they might reveal, too, which I cannot wait to to see, or whatever that surprise may be. I'm ready to see. Okay. Jay, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I'm I'm with Tommy there. Uh, you know, we got to wait until May 5th for that possible surprise unless uh, we hear more leakings as far as that, which we haven't or I haven't so far anyway. Um, as far as the, the, the three current uh, manufacturers, I am excited about it. Uh, I can't say maybe as much as what some others are making of it, but it will be interesting to see, as Tommy said, that they, they're trying to go to the more streetcar-looking uh, style. So we'll see how well they do with that as well as keeping them within a car uh, template. Uh, so hopefully they've come to a, a, a solid agreement on that where that both parties are happy, that we don't have to have a different template for each car like we did in the past, but also that they are able to produce the manufacturer specifics to their style. Okay, I know Mike and I talked a little bit about this, but and I don't know if you guys saw that this weekend, but uh, there's a commercial out for Honda, and I think that part of the announcement that's going to be taking place on May 5th is an, a potential announcement of a uh, new, new uh, manufacturer coming into the series. And Honda has a commercial out right now with their streetcar, on the racetrack, and when I saw that, I go, that could be a foreshadowing. Now, I think Mike thinks I'm I'm reading too much into that, but I think it's too much of a coinkydink. So I'm curious to know what your guys' thoughts are. I know we're all looking forward to this, but it ties in so well with the um, with the idea of the streetcar having that streetcar look for each of the. Uh, different manufacturers, and for them to have a commercial uh, at, from Honda uh, is is just, I think, too much of a coincidence. So, Mike, it's your turn to give your your thoughts on that. As much as I'd love to see another manufacturer in the sport, I would be absolutely floored, just astonished, blown away if they had been able to keep a lid on another manufacturer, Honda or otherwise, <laughs> entering the sport, only to be announced on May 5th. Uh, it would be the best-kept secret in the history of a sport that's traditionally pretty leaky when it comes to big news like that. So, like I said, I would love to see it. I really don't buy it. Um, if there were to be another manufacturer to join the sport, I think Honda is probably the most likely of all the major North American market auto manufacturers. I know Nissan is not in the best position financially. Uh, Kia or Hyundai, uh, whichever one that parent company decides to field, is another potential, though I'm not sure that they've got the stature that would really fit well into the NASCAR market and the potential marketing demographic there. European manufacturers, BMW, or something from the Volkswagen Auto Group, whether it's the Volkswagen name or one of their other brands that they own, is another potential. But again, I don't know that there's the appeal, the crossover appeal of NASCAR fans who would then go and buy those specific cars because of what they see on the racetrack. So out of all the manufacturers that are not currently part of the sport, I do think Honda is the most likely. However, Honda has said in the past that they were not going to be joining the sport for the 2021 season. Obviously, things can change. But economically speaking, 
2020 has been a very difficult year for auto manufacturers, and things are getting worse due to the worldwide chip shortage uh, for electronics for these cars. I don't know about your area, but just driving past the car dealerships where I live, and the lots are empty because they can't produce new cars. If they're not making new cars, they're not selling new cars. If they're not selling new cars, these companies aren't making money. And spending a lot of money to get into a very expensive sport, it might not be the right time for an auto manufacturer that's already struggling right now. I'd love to see it. But again, I'm going to be blown away if we've got an announcement about Honda or anybody else joining the sport come May 5th. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts. I was just going to add to it that they're also thinking about changing the numbers. So then if they do move the numbers back, you'll add you'll have to add that to the new look of the car with the paint scheme and everything as well. And then I was just going to add, I did hear or remember reading about some BMW rumblings um, of them, you know, possibly being in there with Honda and everything. I still think that they might do like the Camaro, the Mustang, and the Challenger or Charger. So Dodge might would come back, but um, maybe Honda and Toyota versus uh, Chevy and the Ford. So that's, those are my final thoughts. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, I think it is a, quite a coincidence, as you do, Sharon, that they have a commercial there of their streetcar on a racetrack. Uh, when you talk about what we've heard rumblings of so far, Honda, it has to be the front runner. And this is, again, if that is indeed what we're talking about of it, a manufacturer announcement, which we don't know that for sure. But that, that seems to be the path we're going down, uh, what things are pointing to. Honda being the most uh, frequently heard. I have heard the, the rumblings of BMW and Volkswagen which, and again, I, I hate to say this, and if anybody else hears me say it, I, I'm going to take some flack, but I think Dodge is fourth on that list. Uh, there's still a possibility. They have never completely shut the door or ruled it out. Um, I know they said it, you know, when they withdrew that it just wasn't their time and, and they wanted to go in a different direction. But there have been subtle rumblings of a return again, uh, but I think they are below the other three. Okay, uh, yeah, and, and you know, it, I would like for it to be 2022, uh, especially with that commercial out. It leads me to think that it just might be 2022, but it would not surprise me uh, if they push it back a year for the reasons that Mike brings up. Uh, the whole idea that there's not been a lot of talk about this uh, being a best kept secret. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they announced it a year in advance for the year 2023, but I'd love it if they come out and say that they're able to do it for 2022. Um, we'll have to wait and see what happens. I'm excited about the whole unveiling of the next-gen car uh, and uh, excited to see what all of these cars are going to look like. And I'm like uh, Tommy in that regard. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do with the car numbers and the names on the uh, on the windshields, if they're going to continue that. I hope they do. So, Mike, you get the final word here. 
I'm really looking forward to this announcement in three weeks' time. Um, it's going to be one of the bigger announcements we had in the sport in a while. Uh, the 2021 season schedule was a pretty big one, but I think the advent of a new car is always big. I'm with Jay. I would love to see Dodge come back in, but speaking of the financial situation of auto manufacturers, I think Fiat Chrysler is in probably even a worse position financially than even Nissan is. So I would be shocked if they were able to, to budget in to have Dodge there. I do feel like having Dodge absent from the sport is a big, you know, a gaping hole where we don't have the third major traditional American car manufacturer represented, but the financial situation is what it is, and these companies have to put their survival as a company ahead of basically going to the racetrack and playing around. So I understand, but in three weeks, we're going to have a lot of questions answered. We're going to have a lot to talk about on the show, that's for sure. Okay. So with that, Tommy, we'll move to you for our next talk. Oh, let's go with the SRX broadcasting team. Okay. Uh, who who all have they announced, Tommy? Just kind of laying the foundation here. Uh, I'm not sure for all of them, but I know Alan Bestwick, Matt Yoakum, and Danica Patrick were on the list that I saw. Okay. Jay, your thoughts? Okay. I, did, I didn't see Danica Patrick. Um I was trying to pull that up there, and it was Alan Bestwick and uh, Matt Yoakum, I believe, was the other one. Uh, I think is I was surprised to see that maybe they didn't have someone with a little more dirt experience or dirt related. Okay, here uh, I got one up. We got uh, Lindsey Sarnak, Alan Bestwick, Brad Daughtery, Matt Yoakum, Danica Patrick as a driver analyst as well as James Hincliffe and Dario Franchitti. Okay, yeah, that's, I, did, I didn't see the three driver analysts uh, uh, is what I missed then. Um, I know Brad Daughtery, he's done a great job when he's been in as part of the announced uh, program for TV. Uh, Matt Yoakum uh, as the pit reporter. So I do think it's a good combination. I Kind of, like I said, thought maybe they would pull some more from one, at least from more of the dirt side, especially since this is separate from NASCAR. But I think that's a great team they got there. And the driver analysts, uh, again, uh, kind of going with the, the SRX theme um, of some drivers that aren't currently active uh, to, be, to be the analysts, I think kind of fits into that whole motif of their program. So overall, I think it's a good team. On paper. Okay, Mike. I'm sorry. Super, super, super excited to see Alan Bestwick get back into calling racing. He is one of the absolute yeah. best play-by-play announcers we've had uh, throughout the entirety of my, my time watching NASCAR over the past 20 to 25 years. Alan Bestwick is A-Squad Hall of Fame material. Phenomenal. Matt Yoakum, phenomenal. Lindsey Zarnick, phenomenal. I wish that we had uh, heard something about Dr. Jerry Punch or maybe Bill Weber coming back, and then that would have just been broadcast euphoria right there. But having Alan Bestwick on the call, I immediately know it's going to be a good show, and I really look forward to watching it. Okay, I'm with you. I'm so excited to see Alan Bestwick back uh, calling some races. And uh, uh, I think he's one of the most popular, uh, or at least more popular, uh, uh, 
broadcast announcers that NASCAR's had in the past. And uh, I'm super excited to see him back as well, Mike. Uh, and I, I think uh, having the driver analyst is a good idea. Uh, I'll have to kind of wait and see how that plays out. I have some reservations there, but we'll see how it plays out. Uh, at, for the six races that are on the schedule for this season. And uh, I can't wait for the series to start and to see these cars out on track. Uh, and I'm glad also to see CBS uh, getting involved with uh, the uh, uh, broadcasting of these races as well. So I think that's exciting along with the announcements of the broadcast team. So, Tommy, your thoughts. I was glad to see the return of Alan Besquick and uh, Matt Yoakum. And then I really thought it was interesting, too, that they got Danica Patrick in it. I saw Brad Daugherty and uh, uh, Dario Franchitti as well. Those were just the names that I had forgotten because it was quite a good list. I mean, I'm I'm super excited for this series. I mean, Bobby Labonte's back, Bill Elliott, Michael Waltrip, mm-hmm. Tony Stewart, and you got Ray Everham, and then – uh, there's an Andretti in it too, so I'm I'm really excited to see it. And then they're doing some rather interesting tracks, a dirt track, and uh, I believe they're even going to one that NASCAR, like the Bush Series, used to race that as well. Um, I can't I can't think of it. It's in Indianapolis, I think. But uh, I'm super excited for that series. Um, I didn't really get to watch I Rock. I don't remember it that much as a, a kid, but I I do know that it was it was popular and that Earnhardt and Mark Martin and names like that uh, were really successful. And so I'm I'm glad to see this, and I'm really glad to hear uh, Alan Besquick. Uh, Alan Besquick is back. Okay, Jay, your follow up. Well, and that's what. Uh... That I said there at the end of of mine of on paper, because, again, you put, no matter what it is, you put all of the best uh, together, you think you got an all-star team. It's a matter of that gelling and working together. Uh, So we'll have to see how it comes together once they're all together and how they do it. And just looking at the tweet that I was looking at, it it lists Brad Dotter as a roaming analyst. So I'm not sure exactly what that means. We'll have to see what what exactly (laughs) that is. I don't know why he has to roam. He should be able to just look above everybody else and see what he needs to see. <laughs> Mike? The, the driver analyst piece is really, it, it's got me intrigued a little bit. Uh, Danica Patrick, eh, she is what she is. She's not the most intriguing uh, person uh, from the from the media work that she's done, but she's going to get eyes on the screen. People are going to be watching Danica Patrick for whatever reason they choose to watch her. Um, I will say, though, James Hinchcliffe, if you're not familiar with Hinch, he is he's funny, great. he's quick-witted, and he's very, very knowledgeable about not just his sport of IndyCar, but racing in general. I think out of the, the announced uh, driver analysts that they have so far, I think James Hinchcliffe is probably the one I'm, I look forward most to seeing. That's nothing against Dario Franchitti. I'm just not as familiar with his work as I am with James Hinchcliffe, and I really look forward to seeing Hinch doing, uh, doing his thing on this broadcast. Okay, I don't really have a whole lot to add there. Um, I'm I'm kind of a I wait let's wait and see what happens uh, kind of gal, but I'm I am excited about the the uh, lineup and uh, I can't wait for that first race. So Tommy, you get the final word here.
Tommy, are you still with us? Maybe he's got his add, mute button. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was I was just going to add to it that um on the junior download last week, Dick Bergeron was on. Um, that's another commentator that I miss, and uh, also miss Vinnie Parsons and uh, even Wally Dallenbach. I mean. They used to have some good announcers, I feel like, and uh, uh, Jeff Hammond. So that's some other ones that they could have brought back to, in my opinion. And uh, well, not VP, but uh, and I've always right, really liked Larry McReynolds as well. Okay, so Jay, to move on to our next hot topic, we're going to let you kick it off. Well, I got kind of a coin toss here on a couple of. Uh, I'm going to go with one that I know Mike and I kind of chatted about already last week of drivers getting the waiver. And we talked about it in the Xfinity series tonight, but I think it's more prevalent in the truck series. Uh, Grant Enfinger, that team decided to go to uh, splitting that ride. So Grant wasn't guaranteed starting every race, but he has picked up so far one extra race with another team. And I know he's really pushing to try and run as many as he can if it's not with Thor, Sport, Thor Sports uh, Racing, with another team, and uh, has made the statement that it's up to NASCAR for the waiver. But whether or not a, a driver uh, should get a waiver if they're in a situation such as that, and then in the Xfinity Series, uh, Ty Gibbs and Josh Berry are the two we mentioned as far as already having wins, so would be eligible from that aspect, but aren't running the full season. So should they get waivers into the playoffs? Okay, Tommy, you get the first word. Uh, I'm sorry, Mike, you get the next word. My take on it is no. I don't think that NASCAR should be handing out playoff waivers because right now there is the set rule where you have to attempt to qualify for all the races in the season, be in the top 30 in points, and win a race, or be in the top 16, 12, or 10 Uh, points positions if you don't win a race in order to qualify for the playoffs. Historically, NASCAR has been, in my opinion, a little bit too generous with some of the waivers that they've cut for drivers who have not been able to uh, qualify for all the races. Now, if they want to change the criteria to where they don't need to offer a waiver anymore, and all you need to do is be above a certain threshold in points, whether it's the 30th position or increase it to 25 or 20, and then qualify for the playoffs either via a win or your points position that you earn via the races that you actually do attempt, well, now we've got another consistent standard. But this ambiguous, arbitrary decision of whether or not they're going to grant a waiver to a specific driver in a specific instance in a specific set of circumstances, I think it's inherently unfair, and it's difficult for for drivers and teams to plan around. And... Think of it from a driver's perspective. Grant Enfinger, one of the main reasons he's not in a full-time ride already is he doesn't have sponsorship. If he has the ability to go to sponsors and say, hey, I'm Grant Enfinger. I would like your support because with your support, I can race my way into the Truck Series playoffs starting this weekend. Well, he can't do that right now because he needs to bank on getting a waiver from NASCAR that they may or may not grant. And he can't sell that to sponsors until he actually gets that waiver. So it kind of puts him in a bad position as well. So that's kind of my take on it. It's a bit difficult. Maybe it's a bit callous. But at the same time, there's got to be some level of consistency with how this playoff system is managed. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts? 
I was just going to add to it that I was surprised that Insinger, uh, I mean, he won a couple races last year, so I was really surprised that he has to split his ride this year there. Um, I mean, he's even my pick this weekend for uh, the Richmond truck race he won there last year. So, um, like I said, just surprised that he's splitting that ride. But um, I know that Josh Berry and Ty Gibbs already have wins, but they are doing the limited season, so I'm on Mike's side with saying no because unless if they – now, if they are able to – secure full-time sponsorship and everything and run full season for another team or, you know, kind of do like what Ross Chastain did a couple of years ago, I think it was, like switched points mid-season from Xfinity to truck. So, uh, I mean, if it if they can work it out like that, that would be great. But in, until they don't have that, uh, I'm going to go with no as well because they're not going to be competing at the end of the year, it'll be someone else in the car, like Sam Mayer is going to replace Josh Berry. Okay. Well, I have a little bit different take than you guys. <laughs> I think that sometimes rules are put into place uh, for NASCAR to, or anybody if, when it comes to these kind of things, but in this case, NASCAR. Uh, there are always extenuating circumstances. And I think about a driver like Kyle Busch, who missed 11 races and went on to win the championship. Um, that is an amazing accomplishment. And if you don't have the rule, you're going to have drivers that could take half the year off, <laughs> perhaps, and come back and maybe try to still win that championship in the second half of the season. Now, is that likely? Probably not. <laughs> I, I agree that it's it's not likely to happen, but you could have drivers taking some races off, if you will, uh, especially at tracks where they have everything to lose and nothing to gain, and and still try to go after that championship. So I think that the rule needs to be in place but I think it's up to NASCAR to determine what extenuating circumstances are. And you guys brought up some really good examples of Josh Berry, if he's able to secure the sponsorship, or Grant Ginfinger, if he's able to secure the sponsorship and a ride. Uh, those guys, I think, deserve to have a chance to go after that championship if they can make those things happen. And, again, NASCAR has to look at the bigger picture and determine who's worthy of that extenuating circumstance waiver uh, and who might not be worthy of that extenuating circumstances waiver. So uh, I just look at it a little bit differently than you guys do, and I think that the rules in place for a purpose, it needs to be in place for that purpose, and uh, – uh, NASCAR as the governing body should be looking at what the extenuating circumstances are and what that bigger picture is to make exceptions and to grant waivers. So, Jay, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Is this a two-to-two thing or am I three-to-one? <laughs> well, let's go one and a half. Uh, you know, I, and I, well, you even said it. The rule is there for a reason, and that was to prevent a, at the time, I think, when they implemented it, it was kind of more so the road course ringers, somebody coming in and winning a road course and winning that and then being eligible. Uh, in the case, and, and this is nothing bad against the team, but Justin Haley with Spire Motorsports uh, getting a, a win at Daytona, 
and truly not, I don't think they were in the top 30 in points that year. Uh, and they weren't running mm-hmm. a, I don't even think they were running a car full time. So the intent of the rule I get, but I also think that it, NASCAR should be given that leeway to grant the waivers. And it, when it comes to the truck series for Grant Infinger, that was something that was beyond his control. Uh, he has no other control over other than to try and pick up a ride here and there where he can't. In this situation of Josh Berry, which is the one that a lot of people on Twitter were screaming for, I don't even think if NASCAR were to give the waiver, they would, because as Tommy mentioned, that ride was set up to split with Sam Mayer. I don't know how many races mm-hmm. each one's doing. Um, so when it comes to playoff time, if that team would even be available for Josh Berry to run all the playoff races because of that. Uh, so there, there would be some other factors with it. But as I look at it right now, I do think that if Grant Enfinger were to request it and make as many of the races as he can uh, when, and I'm trying to think who is, uh, who is the split in the truck with Christian Eckes? Am mm-hmm. I right there? Okay. Yes. Uh, again, I don't know the numbers, but you see that Grant is out there. He's already done one race outside of that. He is trying to make sure he can get as many as he can in. So when he requests that waiver, he said, Hey, I did everything I could. Uh, with the case of Josh Berry, and maybe their thoughts have changed now that he did get that win. Ty Gibbs is another one. I think he's only scheduled to run now 15 races. So, yeah, I don't think that one should be, and I don't think Gibbs had any any plans of it. Those teams were set up to be uh, part-time with different drivers. In the case of Thor Sport, they, I feel like they were forced to do it because of sponsorship, which that's from the team aspect. They just couldn't get it done under one driver. But if the driver can make a larger percentage of the races, if he's got to do it with other teams, still maintain the top cutoff in points, not necessarily the playoff points in the truck series. I'm trying to think. I think it's 25th maybe. Because I think it's, what, 30th in cup, 25 in Xfinity, maybe top 20 in trucks. I don't remember exactly. But – that then NASCAR should at least look at it. And, and I'm with Sharon on that. Of The rule is there. There's, an, there's a situation that has come up this year in Grant Enfringer or whatever's case. Evaluate it and make their decision based on that of giving that waiver. And that is added in within their realm. So maybe in the years to come we see it change, the rule itself change. I understand what Mike's saying. Right now the rule is top 16, win a race, top 30 in points, run all the races. I understand that. And if NASCAR were to say, hey, we're not going to do it because you didn't attempt all the races, I can't argue with it because that is their rule. But I do think that they should look at it and possibly give that waiver. Okay. I have to interrupt you real quick here. Uh, It's time for me to make the announcement uh, for any of our new listeners uh, that at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we are going to go off the air, and you may hear us going off the air mid-sentence, but do understand that we continue recording the rest of the conversation so that you hear the rest of that conversation on our podcast uh, as bonus overtime material. So what happens is when we finish... I'll go out on Twitter to let people know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of that conversation. So, again, just for the new listeners so that nobody's taken by surprise. 
So, uh, Jay, was there anything more that you wanted to say there? No, that that was it for my uh, first round anyway. Oh, okay. Michael, your uh, follow-up. One of the most common, recurring, and in my opinion, completely valid criticisms of NASCAR revolves around a seemingly subjective or make-it-up-as-we-go-along approach to the rules sometimes. And I think, you know, having that ambiguous maybe yes, maybe no playoff waiver thing, I think is it another opportunity for people to to levy that criticism against NASCAR, not necessarily unfoundedly. There's still people who refuse to say that Kyle Busch was a legitimate 2015 champion because he missed those 11 races the first year that, or the second year that they had the knockout style playoffs where they said, you have to do all these races. Well, I understand it, it was completely out of Kyle Busch's control to, you know, have his accident at Daytona and, and break his leg and his ankle. But at the same time, he missed those 11 races and if a say a quarterback you know Tom Brady is injured and misses half the season and as a result of him not being on the field the team misses the playoffs well they don't just arbitrarily put the team in the playoffs because oh well you know if your quarterback had been playing for the season you guys would have made it and whatnot it is what it is, and it's sports, and sometimes the sports and the rules and circumstances can be unforgiving, and a little bit of that unforgiveness, it 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 needs to find its way back into NASCAR to the point where there is that perception of integrity and objectivity, and it reduces that look of favoritism or we're just manipulating whatever we are for the purposes of entertainment value or, or, or whatnot like that. Reducing the opportunity for that criticism and bolstering the integrity of the sport, I think, is more important than even the interests of individual drivers like Grant Enfinger, Josh Berry, or others. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts? I was just going to add to it that Ryan Newman missed three races last year, and he was um, playoff uh, eligible. I don't think he made the playoffs last year, but he was, he was still eligible had he had made it. But um, and then also, like I said, Ross, Ross Chastain one year switched points in either the Bush or the Truck series, mm-hmm. mid series. So um, I mean, I want I want to see it work out for Grant Infinger and Josh Berry and Ty Gibbs. I mean, if they can if they can run more races and get the sponsorship, I would like to see them grant the waiver. But I just don't see it happening, especially for Josh Berry. I mean, he's splitting that ride with Sam Mayer. Um, I was just thinking, though, what happens with Ty Dillon? I mean, he's – it looks like Ty Gibbs may have kind of replaced him. I mean, he's got way more rods than Ty Dillon does this year um, in that in that car. So I remember it was supposed to be split between Denny, Ty Dillon, and Martin Shurex and Kyle Busch originally, and then they added Ty Gibbs with a lot of races after he won. Yeah, you guys bring up some good points, but I, I do think it's a matter of perspective, and uh, I just look at it a little bit differently than what uh, you're looking at it, Mike. I, I think that in the case of Kyle Busch, that was a huge accomplishment on his part. He was able to win that championship with 11 fewer races, uh, and there's not many drivers that probably could have done that. Uh, but Kyle Busch did make it happen that year to win that championship, and he was, in my mind, a very legitimate winner 
because he accomplished it in less time with fewer races than most people would be able to do. So to me, that accomplishment was recognized with that championship, and and I thought I think it was totally legitimate. So there's a lot of different people in this world with a lot of different perspectives, uh, and I I feel like it. Uh, does not take away from Kyle Busch's championship in that season. In fact, I think he accomplished something that very few drivers would have been able to accomplish. Uh, so, uh, uh, again, I think I think it's a matter of perspective in this case. Um, and I think that the rule needs to be there. I have no qualms about the rule, rules. Um but NASCAR is the governing body, and they do have every right. They have every right as the governing body to make exceptions to their rules based on valid reasons. And in the case of Kyle Busch, I think that was a valid reason. Uh, in the case of, you know, Grant Infinger, uh, and as we've been talking about what what's going on with him, I think if he's able to accomplish getting enough races in to get him into those playoffs and he goes on uh, to contend during the playoffs, I think that would be a legitimate reason because he did everything he could do to earn that opportunity. So, um, again, it just comes down to a matter of perspective. And uh, it doesn't mean that one's right and one's wrong. It just means that we have different ways of looking at it. So, Jay, what are your final thoughts on it? Well, this is going to sound really odd, but I think it might be the first time. Not only am I going to agree with Sharon, but it's to defend Kyle Busch. I don't know that we've both been on the same side of that before. Um, <laughs> Mike's points are very valid, like you said, and mm-hmm. that is how the rule is written. But underneath that rule, it says NASCAR has the right to issue the waiver. And, again, I go back to you take uh, Mike's example when you're talking about football, and I don't think you can compare it in this case, but I will try. Quarterback goes out, team doesn't make the playoff, he comes back, they say, okay, now the team can be in the playoffs. That's not what's happening here. The quarterback came back, the driver came back, and beat everybody else, was better than everybody else in those 15 races than they had in a total of 26. So that's where I'm with Sharon. That one is not only justified, I think goes above and beyond because he did in half the amount of races what these other drivers couldn't do. So that one I think is, and I, so I would go toe-to-toe with a fan that, that says, says otherwise, you know, that he was given something there. He had less to work with, which means he did all that much more. Um, when it comes to, like I said, I believe Grant Infinger, if he can continue to find rides and make a large percentage of the races one way or another and be in that eligible spot of top 20 in points, I believe, for trucks, I think should be given one. The thing that cracks me up is is fans that are pushing for Josh Berry to get the waiver. And when you talk about Josh <laughs> Berry in the junior motorsports and Ty Gibbs in the Joe Gibbs racing, we don't know that either one of those two teams, Joe Gibbs Racing or Junior Motorsports, are the ones wanting or looking at requesting a waiver. Because, again, as Tommy mentioned, that team was split up for that reason, that they aren't set up and ready to go for a playoff run because that wasn't what they were doing with that car for this season. 
So there's where I think the key factors, I don't think the teams are the ones asking for that waiver. It was the fan. And I understand that, but if the, if the, the fans are asking for something that the team isn't prepared to do. So I think that comes into play as far as that as well. Why would NASCAR issue a waiver to a team that isn't even asking for it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, Mike, that brings us back to you for the next hot topic. This is slightly off topic, but still touches pretty good. Um, IndyCar rookie Jimmy Johnson is going to be making his debut in the IndyCar series this weekend at Barber Motorsports Park, 3 p.m. on NBC for Jimmy Johnson's first race as a, I guess I can't say full-time, but a career IndyCar driver. Okay. Tommy, any thoughts there? Uh, I don't really watch much IndyCar, but um, I'm, Super excited for him because I know that he really wanted to do this. Um, so uh, I'm glad to see that he's not officially fully retired, that he's still doing stuff. Just like I'm really excited that Tony Stewart's going to be getting back in the car and Bobby Labonte and Bill Elliott and Michael Waltrip in the SRX. Um, so I'm glad to see that they're still doing stuff because I, I miss those guys out there on the track. Um, I'm going to be really sad when Harvick and Newman and all them go too because I've been watching them for a long time, even – Truex and Denny Hamlin now, so they're becoming the vets. Um, and Kurt Busch and Cobblers too can't leave them out. So, but um, maybe I'll, I'll have to watch the Indy Car just to see Jimmy Johnson in it. But uh, I really don't really watch much Indy Car, so I probably won't see it. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, I'm going to kind of follow Tommy there. I'm not a huge uh, Indy Car fan as a whole. I respect what Jimmy Johnson did, but I wasn't necessarily a big fan of his. Uh, like I said, you got to appreciate what he did. But the marketing of it works because just out of curiosity, I will check in on it. So their marketing from that aspect is, is good because it is going to draw me in enough to at least watch part of it. Uh, the fact that it's at Barber Motorsports Park over here in Birmingham uh, close to me uh, adds another level of intrigue uh, just to see. Um so I, I hope he does good. Like I said, I got all the respect for him, what he accomplished. He just wasn't my number or my favorite driver per se in NASCAR. Nothing bad against him. I, I'm not one that accused him of being vanilla or anything like that. Just wasn't my favorite. But you've got to respect what he did and the fact that he is going and doing something else like that. Like I said, I'm going to tune in to follow it just to watch and see. Uh, and I wish him all the best. So uh, like I said, marketing is working there. Okay. I, I have to agree with you. I am kind of an IndyCar fan. Uh, I used to go to the IndyCar races at Chicagoland Speedway when they had them there, and when they stopped doing it, I was so disappointed uh, that they stopped doing it. So I kind of stopped watching at that, that point. But I will tell you that uh, with Jimmy Johnson uh, being in the race, I'm going to find a way to tune in and find out what's going on. Uh, with him. Helio Castroneves was my guy uh, in IndyCar and uh, uh, I uh, and, and there's so many other drivers that I really like as well in that series that I, when I do get a chance to watch an IndyCar race uh, I, I do enjoy doing that so I'm excited about it uh, the marketing Jay is definitely working and uh, I think it's a great move for Jimmy Johnson to, to 
go to a different series. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him racing uh, in some other series as well, like the Rolex and and some of these other series that are out there. And I'm surprised that he's not in the SRX uh, series. So we'll see if maybe in the future he might do that. So, Mike, your thoughts? There's been a couple posts on Reddit. I'm not sure what it is over the past week or so, but it's been like Jimmy Johnson nostalgia week. And the one that got me the most was, I think it was an ESPN promo that they were running uh, prior to Jimmy running for what ended up being his sixth championship. And the promo is Jimmy walking down pit road and you're following Jimmy from behind and off to the side, you see him, he's walking past one of Richard Petty's cars. You know, I forget what model year it was, maybe a 78 or so with Richard Petty standing right there with the hat. And then he walks past the black number three car and there's a guy wearing big sunglasses, with a mustache on it, just kind of watching Jimmy walk by. And then Jimmy walks in and he gets into his car and it really made me remember that Man, I missed it when Jimmy Johnson was capital T, capital M, the man. I wasn't the biggest Jimmy Johnson fan. My dad really was. I was more of a Jeff Gordon fan. But we really there's – there's something missing in NASCAR right now, and that is the big dominant driver that everyone's chasing. Uh, we had Dale Earnhardt, and then that transitioned right into Jeff Gordon, and then that transitioned right into Jimmy Johnson, and then that transitioned into nobody. And as much as I like the current era of parody, there's nobody walking down pit road right now that everybody stops what they're doing and turns their heads and looks at him. It just is what it is. So I do miss Jimmy Johnson in NASCAR. I look forward to seeing him in IndyCar racing. He did the Rolex 24 and the 12 hours of Sebring in IMSA. He was driving the number 48 uh, Cadillac DPI car. Generously speaking, those outings were forgettable. Uh, hopefully he, he learned a lot, and uh, they, they had a bit of a rough go of it, not necessarily all Jimmy's fault. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping that his IndyCar career gets a little bit better start than his IMSA career did. Uh, I do really look forward to seeing Jimmy on the track this weekend in the Chip Ganassi number 48 at Barber. Okay, Tommy, your follow-up. I was just going to add to it that um, I like how he brought they got Ally on board with him, and then they gave that to Alex Bowman. But I was going to say, even after he leaves NASCAR, he gets Carvana, which is, you know, that's huge in my opinion. I mean, that that company's here in Raleigh. I mean, they've got one here, and they're you're becoming very popular. So he brought them in, and I feel like he had another sponsor on that IndyCar, too, that I can't think of. But it's just sad that he couldn't have brought that to NASCAR because I would have been – that would have been a cool paint scheme to see, Carvana. But um, I'm super excited that he is doing it, and I was also going to bring up that he is doing that IMSA series too, and I'd actually seen where that car was in a wreck, and I believe he was he spun out in and in that race too, if I remember. But um, I completely agree with, uh, with Mike too. NASCAR is missing like that huge star. Um, I remember a few years back when even Harvick called Junior out saying, you know, our our biggest name isn't that good. Like he's not winning on a on the regular like Gordon and Earnhardt were. And it was sad but it was true, but I mean I still like Junior and I still think that he's still driving a lot of fans into this series still. I mean, this he's good that way. He might not have won, but he's still huge. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, I know we kind of twisted into a separate topic there of 
who's left in NASCAR. I see it as twofold because, you know, I think that's kind of what tuned a lot of people out during Jimmy Johnson's run was they were tired of seeing him win, just like you do uh, with a lot of teams, whether it be the Yankees or the Patriots. Uh, you know, so you brought some in that wanted to see him get beat. I look at it as a good thing. I know you guys are saying there isn't one super standout. I think there are multiple. The fact that we do have a different champion every year, you know, and I know Chase Elliott uh, obviously being the most popular driver, him getting a championship uh, fit well. But I, I think seeing, especially this year when we look at the different winners we've had, how much more that brings to the sport because you have, again, if you look at it compared to other sports, every week you got 40 teams out there instead of only two or, you know, however many are playing and their heads up every week. So I think it does, you know, again, you got to give respect to Jimmy. I mean, he did what he did under different rules, under different packages. you got to give him credit for that. But I think there comes a point where that gets kind of stagnant, you know, so uh, I think this is really an open opportunity for NASCAR. Yeah, I've always said that – you know, people will appreciate what Jimmy Johnson accomplished, <laughs> at, you know, down the road. Uh, but during the time, and I, and I like Jimmy Johnson, uh, but I, too, was one of those people that was frustrated with, gosh, it's so hard to watch year after year, and we're always seeing the same guy win this championship. I'd like to see somebody else win the championship uh, besides Jimmy Johnson. So I think we we became Jimmy Johnson fatigued, if you will, uh, with him winning so many consecutive championships. But what he accomplished was absolutely huge. Uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt and, and uh, Richard Petty did not accomplish as much as Jimmy Johnson did within a shorter span of time. Uh, so what he accomplished was was really really amazing um and i i really think that um uh this is a great opportunity i really like that we're seeing different champions now but i also really like that jimmy johnson is expanding and going into these other series and i think it's going to be fun to see what he does in some of these other series uh because it's not easy to make a transition from one series to the other. We've seen several people try to do it, and it's just not as easy as it sounds. So um, uh, I think it's going to be fun to see what Jimmy does in in IndyCar. A lot of people have a lot of confidence in him and and think that he's going to add a lot to the sport. Uh, But he is a legend, and I like that. I don't know if it was a commercial or or what it is you saw, Mike, but I, I like the visual of what you described there uh, with him walking past the Richard Petty car and the Dale Earnhardt car. And uh, Jimmy Johnson is right up there with those guys. And uh, uh, a lot of fans uh, underappreciate his accomplishment, I think, um, because of the fact that he did it so consecutively over that span of time that he won those championships. So uh, I really thought maybe he'd go after that eight, but I'm glad to see him going into these other series and giving us a chance to watch him there as well. So, Mike, you get the final word. 
I know this show skews towards NASCAR, and I know that most of all, I think all of us are bigger NASCAR fans than we are IndyCar fans, and there's a you know, varying degree of interest in IndyCar between us. But at the same time, mm-hmm. this is a racing-related show, so um, I, I think credit and, and plugs are due or plugs are due. So I really look forward to seeing the IndyCar Series race at Barber Motorsports Park in Alabama. I'm not sure about ticket availability, but it is just east of Birmingham. You want to try and get out there. Uh, and that's going to air Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. And I really look forward to watching that race. Okay. Thanks for the plug, Mike. Okay. Uh, do we have time, Tommy, for one more? Can yes. you think of a let's quick one? With, yes, let's okay. go with Harrison Burton making his debut at uh, Talladega Cup Series debut. Uh, okay, that's a good one. Jay, your thoughts? Are you on mute, Jay, or did we lose him? Oh, no. It's the time of the night okay. where Jay gets cut off. Well, it doesn't look like he's cut off. He's still in the queue. Maybe he's got the mute button. Okay, we're not hearing from Jay, so I'm not sure what's going on there. So, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Harrison Burton is going to be starting at Talladega in the number 96, I believe it's still the 96, Gaunt Brothers Racing Toyota. Um, I believe they uh, they will be starting in the back, but they do have a charter. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of that stuff, so they are guaranteed field entry. What it means in terms of the future, I don't know. I mean, you can read whatever you want at the bottom of your teacup. I really have no idea. Unfortunately <laughs> for Harrison Burton, he's in that Toyota driver development meat grinder, and and Toyota has been notorious over the past five or so years for developing these young drivers, chewing them up and spitting them out. And I'm hopeful that Harrison Burton has a little bit better outcome than the likes of Daniel Suarez or Christopher Bell um, who, or, or Eric Jones. Well, I guess things have worked out so far for Christopher Bell. Um, but Matt Benedetto is another guy who was in that Toyota driver development pipeline and kind of got flung out from, the, from there as well. So, I'm, I'm hoping that Harrison Burton has a little bit better, more stable landing in the Cup Series, and hopefully, no offense to Gaunt Brothers Racing, but they're not exactly a front-running team week in and week out. I believe Harrison, Harrison Burton does merit a stronger Cup Series ride if he doesn't end up going to the Cup Series full-time. Where that would be, I don't know. Maybe Martin Truex or Denny Hamlin retire here soon. There's been absolutely no talk of that, but I don't think Kyle Busch is going anywhere, and I don't think Christopher Bell is going to be retiring anytime soon. So where Harrison Burton lands, who knows? Maybe Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan come up with a second car at 2311. Eh, There's a lot of things that can happen between now and next year, but I do know that Harrison Burton is starting next weekend at Talladega, and I look forward to seeing him. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, on the racetrack, uh, although it is with Comp Brothers. Uh, I, I see it as just an opportunity for him to get his feet wet, to get behind the wheel of a heavier car, and uh, to, you know, get out there and watch and learn and observe. And uh, I think that's mainly what it's going to be about on, when he races at Talladega. Um you're right about uh, all the different things with Toyota drivers. Uh, there's a, to- a great Toyota driver development program, and all these drivers are coming up through that program. But 
were were having difficulty finding a room at the end. The only room for expansion is the 2311 team. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see how that continues to evolve. Um, but this is just a matter of uh, Harrison getting his feet wet and uh, being on the um, uh, on the track. So it'll be fun to see him in behind the wheel of a, a cup car, and we'll see what he does. So, Tommy, your thoughts? I'm glad to see a Burton back in the Cup Series again. Uh, <laughs> I miss Jeff or Burton out there, and I uh, hope that Jeb makes it up there one day too so that we got – both of the brothers racing again, basically from like the early 2000s. But uh, um, I'm super excited for him, and uh, I'm wondering what it means for Ty Dillon because I feel like that was going to be some of his rides uh, as well uh, in the Cup Series this year. So once again, it looks like he's losing losing his seat. But I I agree with you guys on the fact that they have so many drivers that they're developing, but there's just not enough open seats. But I do remember just a couple of days ago, maybe a week now that uh junior, I mean, junior Denny Hamlin and Jordan are thinking about expanding to a two, three car team. And I just, that, that'll be extra seats for some of these guys. So we've got to go somewhere because, you know, Daniel Hemrick, Brandon Jones, Ty Gibbs, Harrison Burton. I mean, they're all coming up. But I've been wondering the same thing, too, though, about Denny, Martin, and Kyle because I think Christopher Bell's the future, so I think he's the most secure. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to move Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin or Truex because they're all winning, but something's got to give. And Kyle Busch could form his own team. Denny could go to his team. And, I mean, there's just so many options there. So maybe that'll be two years down the road and not one or maybe even for three, but who knows. Okay, Mike, uh, Jay is out, so let's go to you for a quick follow-up here. We talked about 2311 potentially adding another car or two or three to go to a four-car team. I'd be real hesitant to that. You know, that's, that's probably one of them pump-the-brakes kind of moments right there. Um, you know, you got the whole crawl and then walk and then run phase to pretty much developing anything. And I think 2311 is very much in the crawl phase right now. They came into the sport this year with a lot of hype and a lot of fanfare because of the names that were attached and a little bit of the social aspect that was going on surrounding the team as well. And it made the hype train just, it, it, it was unbearable going into the season. And their results have been, I think the highest finishing position was 15th or 16th so far this year not terrible and it's about where you would expect a new team to be but rapidly expanding to a two three or four car operation might end up doing more harm than good for a relatively new team like that so just saying hey we need to add another team at 2311 just to get more of these toyota drivers in there got to look at a bigger picture sometimes and see what would that mean it's going to take a maybe a 10th place team with one car and turn them into two cars racing for 20th place. Maybe that's not the best move right there. So I would wait and see at least until the back half of the season to see how, how things shake out at 2311. Hopefully they get their feet under them, getting a little bit better finishes with that 23 car before they start thinking about adding additional cars with additional drivers, wherever those drivers may come from. Yeah, I, I I agree. I don't think I'm not looking to expand 2311 to you know a four car operation second year out. 
uh, I think that's pretty unrealistic. So, but possibly a two-car operation, possibly, I agree, that's even stretching it a little bit. Uh, But, you know, we will see what happens in the second half of the season and uh, what they decide that they're going to do. Harrison's been in the uh, Xfinity Series uh, for a couple years now. Uh, If he stays another year, uh, he's extended, and uh, they they are going to need to find some room for him at some point. Uh, but this is, again, I think just a move to transition him, uh, to get him used to the car, to get his feet wet. And, um, you know, I'm not going to read too much into it just yet. But I do see uh, 2311 as a potentially in the future an opportunity to expand uh, for new Toyota development drivers uh, because they need to have some room somewhere. Uh, and whether that's 2311 or maybe one of the other satellite teams, I don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see how that progresses. But, uh, Tommy, we're going to give you the final word here. I was just going to add that John Hunter Nemechek is also in the pipeline for the Toyota drivers, and mm-hmm. that um, maybe, there will, maybe there will be a new team formed with a Toyota, like, you know, Money Mayweather might have a team or some of these other people that are actively pursuing a charter and trying to get in. So maybe maybe that'll be the new Toyota team and it can be another satellite of Joe Gibbs or something. I know Jay got uh-huh. cut off, but can I quote him here? Sure. To quote Jay regarding the money team. <laughs> okay. So far, we've seen nothing from it, so we'll have to wait and see if anything does come of it. But uh, anyway, we're at that time of the night where it's time for us to do our roundtable. So, uh, Tommy, let's go ahead and start with you. Uh, y'all can follow me now on Twitter at uh, NASCARFan1095 or for at the moment at Sense95Fan. I plan on changing that so it'll, it'll be better, but do the Twitter. It has to be that for like two weeks, I think. So, um, And then I just had my article posted today for North Wilkesboro. Go check it out. I went over some of the history and then some of the potential tracks that um, have been abandoned like uh, Rockingham and Nazareth and like Pikes Peak that um, NASCAR should look at as well, maybe, hopefully, one day. Okay. And, uh, Mike, I know you've got an article uh, that I'm going to try to get out tomorrow along with the power ring. Yeah, sure. Sure do. It's going to be Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Um, Like Sharon said, look for an article from me either tomorrow or after this weekend's racing action is done. I'm working all next week, so unfortunately I won't be on the show with you, but I will be there live in person and in the flesh at Talladega Super Speedway coming up for the NASCAR uh, Cup Series race and the Xfinity Series race that weekend, uh, April 24th and 25th. Not looking at the calendar. It's that weekend, though. Uh, I will be there. Expect to see a fan at the track uh, article for me shortly thereafter. Super duper. I'm I'm excited about that. And I know, uh, Tommy, you've got a fan at the track piece coming up, too, right? Yeah, I'm actually going to the October Talladega race, so I can't wait. Uh, I've got 
uh, finish line seats on the front row. So I'm really excited. Okay, so a couple of couple of more fan at the track articles coming out at fanforacing.com. Uh, I am fanforacing uh, site on Twitter and fanforacing blog and radio everywhere else, including fanforacing.com. And uh, we did put out uh, Tommy's article today. Uh, my intention is to get Mike's article as well as um, Mike's article about uh, who's on the hot seat, which I believe it's Brad Keselowski, right? No, Brad Keselowski was the last time. This time it's going to be Alex Bowman. Oh, that's right, Alex Bowman this time. Okay, so the Alex Bowman fan at the track piece tomorrow, and then also the power ranking from Owen Stewart uh, will come out tomorrow. So we had uh, Sam's uh, recap from the uh, race at Martinsville on earlier this week, and uh, I know Jay's got some things in the pipeline as well. So uh, definitely looking forward to uh, all of that happening. I'm looking forward to the racing at Richmond Raceway. It should be a lot of fun. I really didn't get to watch too much last weekend, so I, I'm, like, super excited to be watching this weekend. So uh, I hope everybody else is, too. Big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in and to our Fan for Racing crew for all that they do. So uh, appreciate each and every one of you guys. So uh, let's go ahead and call it a night and uh, say our good night. Night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. See you on the other side of the races. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.